from 1975, Linda Ronstadt, When Will I Be Loved? She is Governor Jerry Brown's ex-girlfriend. Twice Governor Jerry Brown, current governor and governor from a long time ago. So welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Again, starting late. Apologize for that. And just about 7 o'clock right now. We have a co-host tonight, and he's already in a great mood. He's saying in the chat room, he's not on with me right now. He said, Todd, are you going to pick the fuck up or what? He's trying to call into the show. Now, I didn't realize when I told this person he could co-host that he did not have Skype. I really like to do the co-hosting through Skype, so it sounds like the person is here with me. You can hear them very clearly, just like you can hear me. And I, I don't like the phone sound to the co-host. I, I like the phone sound to the callers. I just don't like when the co-host sounds like he's on the phone with me. But I guess tonight we won't have a choice. I neglected that this guy didn't have a headset because he has Skype. I just assumed he had a headset, but apparently not. Oh, here he says, uh, I have Skype, but it's very unreliable. All right, well. I mean, I guess we can try Skype and have it be unreliable. And if it's unreliable, then we can do it over the phone. I just don't like a co-host sounding like he's over the phone for three hours. That's just... I make a big deal about the sound quality on this show. And when it's not what I'm expecting it to be, then it bothers me. It's just a thing I have. Anyway, uh, the person that we have tonight as a co-host is someone I never thought I would have as a co-host on this show. There's someone who showed up on the forums that uh, I was frequenting at the time in 2007, the Neverwin Poker Forums, where a lot of our listeners and forum users came from originally. And this guy showed up, he called himself Judonk, and he took an instant dislike to me and the other people who ran the forum. But as time passed, his vitriol mainly was focused upon me. Somewhat upon one of the other owners, but more upon me. In fact, I wasn't even an owner of the site at the time. And that's pretty much lasted for seven years. And we've had our little truces, and we've had our little... uh, periods of time of getting along okay, but it always seems to end up back at the same place. But this is probably the longest period of time that this individual, who originally called himself Judong, now he goes by Tide, this is probably the longest period of time that we have gotten along without anything happening to change that. And he's been posting on this forum for, I don't know, about two months now, and yeah, it's gone pretty well. And he suggested, hey, why don't I co-host the show with you? And I thought about it for a second, and I said, sure. I think that would be interesting. I think it would be a change. So, he says he can't log on to Skype, and it's not working, so... I guess we're off to a great start here. (laughs) But okay, let's put him on here. He's calling into the show right now. Hello, Tide, Marty. What would you like me to call you during the show? 
Oh my God, man! What's up with your overdramatic intro well, of uh, our whole history for seven years? Well, everything on the show oh is God. overdramatic. Can we, just, can we just do a radio show without all the drama? Well, that's what Holy I want to do. That's why I wanted to get it out of the way at the beginning, and then uh, and I tried, do a regular show. Can you hold on one second? I need to turn this music down. Sure. Just give me one second, please. Sure. I would have hoped that he would have done that before the show started, but that's okay. So we'll see how this goes here. Girls. Okay, so I do like your uh, I do like your eight second delay, just in case. Uh, no, no, there's no eight second delay. There's no delay. Say, nigga, 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 nigga. See, I can't I can't bleep that out. There's actually no delay here. So, the delay you hear when you listen to the show is actually the internet delay. But I can't bleep anything out. Anything that goes through this phone line will go on the air. Just keep that in mind. Nothing for me to bleep out. And I, and I do want to apologize for not being able to call on Skype, but um, it was fine in Rosarito, but I'm in Ensenada now, and the uh, ISP down here is a piece of shit, and Skype is basically logging me out every 30 seconds. Well, uh, believe it or not, uh, this in, actually sounds better than I expected. This sounds better than I expected, so I think this will be fine for the purposes of this show. So, very good. Uh, let's see what the chat room has to say about this. Uh that's because tide equals God, Druff. That's from Natural Natural Born Hustler, so he's already happy to see you on here. Uh, they're setting an over-under of how long you last on the show before I hang up on you. They're setting it at 8 p.m., and right now it's hey, 7 I, I come in. I come in peace. I just came to have some fun, and uh, let's see what happens over the next two hours. Well, I know. I, I, don't, I, don't hate, I don't hate you anymore, okay? I don't, I don't want to fucking slice your throat anymore, okay? Uh, okay. You wanted uh, to slice my throat. You're, you're on uh, – as far as I'm concerned, you and I are on relatively uh, – uh, I'm not looking to uh, antagonize you or fuck up your forum. I just, just have a little fun, huh? No, I understand but that. But, did you, don't, but don't you ever, don't you ever mandate me to be sober before calling the show? Well, I no, I, never, I do have I to never mandate promise that. that. I'll tell you why I have to mandate that, and that's because this is a long show. And for like when you called in last week drunk, I, I was fine with it for about ten minutes. But I can't have someone who's like really drunk on the show for three hours as a co-host. No, no, I'm uh, no, I'm, I'm fine. I, I I heard what you said. I'm not completely obliterated. I'm by no means completely sober either. But I'm I'm coherent, so we'll be fine. So it's kind of a middle ground. So now you're yeah. saying that uh, you actually wanted to slit my throat at one time? No, no, that was just a metaphor. Okay, okay. I just I just I, I just. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. Let me think about that. Did I really want to slit your throat? I might have thought about that actually. Okay. Well, if it's just a passing no, thought, it's okay. But no, I don't. But no, I don't anymore. Okay. Anymore is that's what matters because you know here we are right now on September 9th, and my my throat is okay. My throat is intact. So as long as you no longer want to, uh, what you wanted to in the past is uh, uh, no longer relevant. So okay. Are you me... are you really are you really playing laugh tracks? When I when I crack a joke like that, come oh, no, on, I play Todd. I play the laugh track all the time. It's a staple of the show. Okay. Okay. So uh, <laughs> let me let me give you the agenda tonight. I have no idea, you know, whether you are knowledgeable about these topics or not. But I decided to just, you know, have you on anyway. So the more you know about this stuff, the better. Otherwise, you'll just have to wig okay. it. Okay. Uh, first of all, very quick mention. I sent out the hats on Thursday, September fourth. The hats went out. Oh, I'm hearing an echo here. Do you have the radio on in the background? Uh, should I turn off the? Uh, let's see here. Yeah, close the radio. I'm, I'm hearing like I'm hearing like an eight second delay talking to you. But are we fine now? I think Is that so. better. I think no. I'm still hearing an echo a little bit. Well, we'll deal with it. 
Okay. So anyway. well, no, no. Now, now I, I don't hear the show. This is much better. Now I was hearing like a eight second delay from the show. No, okay, no, we're okay. good now. All right, we're good. So on September fourth, which was five days ago, I sent out over forty poker fraud alert hats to various places around the world. Uh, as far as I know, most or all have been received by now. Uh, generally, people are happy with the hats, and I'm glad they are because they paid a whole zero dollars and zero cents for them. But this was my way of thanking the listeners and posters of this forum for being part of Poker Fraud Alert. So uh, I Delaware to... Delaware does not have his hat yet. By the way, I Delaware don't know what happened. I mean, I, for his blue hat. I don't know what happened. I sent him the hat just like everybody else to the address he gave me. And I don't know what happened. I mean, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world if it got lost somehow. I can maybe send him another one. But we're out of blue hat, so he'll have to take a white if it does not show up. Anyway, uh, so the hats have been sent out. Uh, we don't have many left. Really, all I have left is white and not even all that many of those. So if you're one of the few people who you think still would qualify to receive a free hat, let me know. But very few left. And if you missed the boat on the original batch then that's the way it is uh incidentally i didn't send one to you because you didn't ask on time yeah well good luck getting one to mexico anyway there is no postal service here they deliver mail today and the guy was on a fucking moped there is no uh uh, mexican postal service good luck with that so you really can't receive uh, mail over there well uh, actually limitless uh was kind enough to offer me uh a nice little shipment of a a random uh, form of medication, mm-hmm. and I said that was really nice of you, but uh, it's not going to happen. Hmm. Uh, it's pretty difficult to even receive mail in Mexico. Yeah, you so, know, I'd uh, be afraid to receive anything in the mail like that in Mexico. Yeah, you, know, yeah you know, not not a good idea to yeah. be uh, receiving uh, pharmaceuticals yeah. uh, across international borders. Yeah. Seems like a bad idea in general. Yeah, you don't want to end up in the uh, Mexican prison there. So, okay, so that's that happened. Now, here's the topics for the evening, though. Uh, first of all, we have our free roll, of course. Every week we have a free roll on the site. Money donated not by me, but by our users. That's actually not true. This week I donated a very large sum of money, five cents. <laughs> no, I really did. I donated five cents. I'll explain in a second. I, I really did donate five cents. So here's what happened. Um, we have $55.50 worth of donations for tonight. So I, I wanted the cool number of 55.55 for the free roll, and we couldn't do that without an additional five cents. So I, I generously threw that in myself. But the, the others who contributed a lot more were Level Account, $10, Daily, $18, Benford, $10, and Snow Tracks. 1750. Thank you to all of you. And here's the prize structure, the prize pool structure. First place will be $26. Second place, $15. Third place, $9. And fourth is $5.55. It is totally free to enter. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which is near the top of the screen. You need a separate account on there. And you need to have a registered forum account, not Poker Room account, but forum account dated June 1st, 2013 or beforehand in order to qualify to win the free money. If you don't have an account dated June 1st, 2013 or before, then email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and tell me things about the show you've heard for at least the last three weeks that are not in the last, in the show description. Convince me you've been listening Todd, for three Todd, weeks. Todd, is, uh, is that the email address people use to thank you for your five-cent donation? 
Yes, yes. They can thank me there as well for the five cents. Okay. In fact, All right. I'll tell you, I actually paid it forward because people used to send me pennies on PokerStars. I'm not even kidding. I used to get <laughs> random pennies on PokerStars, and this is me taking five of those pennies and putting it back out into the community. So uh, if you email me, convince me you've been listening to the show for three or more weeks, then I will give you an exception to qualify for the free money. The free roll starts tonight at 740 p.m. Pacific Time, which is about half an hour from now. You have 25 minutes to late register as well. And the format tonight is not No Limit Hold'em. It is PLO. <laughs> so that's it's a different format tonight. Every once in a while I throw in something different. Usually we do No Limit Hold'em, but just uh, to prevent boredom, we have PLO this week. So PLO experts will enjoy this one. We also already have money for next week, also 50-something dollars plus whatever we get beyond that. So thank you very much to the four who donated. And and thank you for your five cents. Yes. The community the community thanks you for you your You seem to be really into my five cents. This is, a, <laughs> this is something that's really stuck with you already. So, uh, by the way, if you win the prizes here, I will send it to you by PayPal. Hey, you're, you're, the, you're, the one that, you're the one that brought it up. I know. I'm sorry I did now. By PayPal, by bank transfer, by cash, check, whatever. I, I can give it to you any way you want. Even Bitcoin. I forgot to list Bitcoin. I will send you Bitcoin too. Some people have requested Bitcoin for their winnings, and I sent it to them. So, so many ways you can get paid in this cash-free roll. You don't get money on some crappy poker site that you may never be able to withdraw. So uh, let's go to the topics of the show for tonight. Here's the agenda. An Elvis impersonating World Series of Poker Dealer. If you've played the World Series for any length of time, even for just this year, you probably saw him. He's very memorable. Like, I would have never remembered this guy if he didn't make himself look like Elvis. But anyway, this Elvis impersonating World Series of Poker Dealer was murdered at his Las Vegas home this past week. Very tragic nice. story. I wouldn't say nice. Uh, not so nice. Where's the, where's the, where's the laugh track? That's no, no, perfect no, time no. to find the laugh no. track. So it's not that, we're not going to laugh at uh, Elvis getting murdered here. So we'll talk about so what, what happened what were there. The, what were, if I may, if I may ask uh, prematurely, what were the uh, circumstances behind his murder? What, was he? It was uh, a woman who did it. A woman murdered. Oh, it was a woman. Yeah. Did so, she stab him? Did she shoot yeah, him? We'll, we'll get to that. She shot him, but then that's all I'm going to say for right now. We'll get to the story first. She shot him. Right, the second okay. topic for tonight the Poker Hall of Fame candidates have been announced. They do this every September, and then they are voted on by the existing Poker Hall of Fame members. However, last year's Poker Hall of Fame voting, I felt, was rigged. Uh, last year, I felt that Scotty Wynn and David Chu deserved to be nominated, uh, not nominated, uh, uh, admitted to the Hall of Fame. You can only admit two per year, maximum of two. Uh, so if Scotty Wynn I'm sorry, did, I, I'm sorry, I hate to interrupt, but what is the criteria to be admitted into the Poker Hall of Fame? I, I'll, uh, I'll read if, that, actually. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not choir boys here, so do you have to have a certain amount of winnings, or what, what are, what's the criteria? I'll, I'll read that. There's a, a, a list of a, things. A Hall of Fame, the candidate. Yeah, there's a list of, of criteria, and interestingly enough, Doyle Brunson is objecting today, saying that just about everybody admitted these days doesn't even meet all the criteria, so it's it's pointless and it's okay. I, I feel that the Hall of Fame the Poker Hall of Fame is semi-rigged and a good example was last <laughs> year no listen last year Tom McAvoy was inducted 
I mean, come on. So instead of David, like David Chu did not get in. Tom McAvoy, who won one thing 31 years ago, did, and. David Chu's not even on this year's ballot, so the Hall of Fame. David 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 Chu is a badass. I he see is. that guy at the bike all the time. No, he's a really good player. He's, he's a badass. He's a good player. But, he was yeah, right next to me this player. year. He was right next to me this year in the uh, 10K Limit Hold'em event, uh, and he is. He's a very good player. Good at a lot of games. He should have totally made it in. He has great results. And he's a, he's a he's a classy guy too. Yeah, he's, he's a nice guy. Nice. He is a nice guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So uh, he's not even on the ballot this year for some reason. Antonio Esfandiari and Phil Locke are to star in a new poker show on the Discovery Channel that takes place well, that in the New Orleans area. And a lot of people are excited about this. I already think it will be stupid and also somewhat fake. I will give you my opinion on that. There's also two other gambling-related shows also on the Discovery are any, Channel. Are there any trailers out there for the show? No, I wish there uh, was. No, kind of previews so far or is just no, an announcement? Presently. can't find any. Okay. Poker Stars is actually meeting with players in New Jersey. They sent out invitations to two different meeting places. It's kind of like brunches they're having where they meet with players to discuss the legalized online gambling market there. And we'll talk about why they are doing this and uh, whether that's a good move. Also, speaking of Poker Stars, I'm sorry, not I included something on the agenda from last week. Not speaking of Poker Stars. That's the only story we have about them this week. Uh, Trump Taj Mahal fi- uh, has filed for bankruptcy. Another Trump hotel, the Plaza, has already closed. The Trump Plaza, the Taj Mahal, has now filed for bankruptcy and may or may not be closing as soon as November. We'll talk about and how the- many fuck and how many fucks do you think Donald Trump gives uh, a grand total of zero? Yeah, very few because he doesn't own it anymore. But uh, we'll talk about his relationship to this and uh, the state of the Taj Mahal. Caesar's Palace. You go to the gift shop, you order something there, you pay with a total rewards gift card. It seems like a pretty straightforward transaction with very little risk. Well, somebody I know personally had money stolen from his Total Rewards gift card by the Caesars Palace gift shop. I, I mean, it's, it's a stupid story, but I can't figure out, and maybe when I tell the story you can give your opinion, I can't figure out whether this was extreme incompetence or intentional theft. It's very tough to tell, especially at Caesars where a lot of incompetence exists. Finally... I'm going to talk about the 80s, specifically my life on computer bulletin boards, also known as BBSs, which are the precursor to today's social media. They're very similar to today's social media, except they existed about 30 years ago, 25, 30 years ago in a different form, but they were very similar in many ways. I was part of that whole community. In fact, I even lost my virginity in the 80s thanks to a BBS. So I'll tell if you this. I, if, I may, uh, yeah. if I may, Todd, thank God this is going to be the last topic of the night. Well, there's a reason so we're for gonna that. Go, we're going to go through all the other ones, then we're going to talk about you getting laid in the 1980s on message boards. Well, it's, there's I'm a reason. Really, I'm, really, I'm really happy that's the last topic. There's a reason that's the last topic of the night. Someone PM'd me and said that uh, he was not part of the BBS uh, world back then. I don't know if he wasn't old enough or uh, if he just wasn't part of it, but uh, he's very fascinated by it. 
He's read stories about it. Not my stories, but he's just read stories, watched documentaries about those days, and said, I want you to talk about this. Now, my first reaction was, no, I can't talk about this. No one's going to want to hear this crap. Then I thought, wait a minute. This is a good end-of-the-show segment. To the end of the show, uh, we have a lot of free-form types of segments where I figure if you don't like it, you can turn the show off because you know there's no more serious topics coming. There's no more poker topics coming, and then we can kind of just talk. So that's that's what I'm doing tonight. Usually I do an editorial at the end. Tonight it's going to be a little bit of talk about uh, BBSs. Now, if you want to text tonight, I haven't even given out the phone numbers yet. I got uh, so preoccupied with uh, Marty being on the phone here that I've, I've I'm really cu- I'm really curious about this show with uh, Antonio and Phil Locke on the fucking Discovery Channel. You know, the Discovery Channel is really notorious for, like, fake humanities. Right. They just did a show. They just did a show. They had one, like, about this mermaid. And then they had a one uh, the other day. Actually, my mom emailed me about this. She's like, oh, you got to watch the show. About a mermaid? It's, it's, uh, this, the, no, about the shark. It's like the shark called Submarine. Okay. And I'm like, mom, I can't believe you fell for that shit. So I, I'm curious why uh, Antonio and Phil Locke are aligning with uh, the the quote unquote Discovery Channel to well, do a fucking poker show, I can I can I wanna, tell you why. I want to hear more details about that. That's I can, intriguing. I, I know I, I know they're why. I know they're besties and all. I know Antonio and Phil are basically giving each other hand jobs under the table, but I, I, I'm still curious to hear what the show's all well, about. Here, here's the they, reason they, I think they're doing it. Are they going to Are they going to talk about how wonderful it is to be a poker pro and win? No, 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 no. I'll describe the whole thing, but this is the reason I think they're involved. Is one million dollars. They're not really getting a million dollars, but I, I, think, I think they're doing this both for money and for exposure. Uh, this is not going to yeah. be a, a serious or particularly interesting show for anyone. John, who, I, ho- I hope not, because what can the Discovery Channel possibly bring to the poker world? Uh, very little. So, so we'll get to that third. But th- let's start out with Elvis here, okay? Uh, there's there is a poker dealer. Uh, let me. I, I, I know him as Elvis. Now I got to look up his name. <laughs> Forgot the guy's actual name. You're the one that started the thread. You don't even know the guy's name. I knew it and I forgot it. Here we go. Yeah, uh, his that's, real name is tr- Joseph Levine. Joseph Levine is his real name. Uh, he really was known as Elvis or uh, Elvis Joe around uh, <laughs> poker circles. You can laugh about this, but the guy—you saw the pictures of him. The guy really. Looks like Elvis. He kind of looked like you know later Elvis, fatter Elvis, but he did look like Elvis. And uh, it's kind of weird. You're playing at the World Series, and you see the typical rotation of dealers. They're just kind of you know average-looking people going by. So the question is: the question is, what did his what did he do to his wife? No, it's not his to wife. Piss her off so okay. bad that she shot his fucking it's not, ass. It's not his wife. Unfortunately, it's more salacious than that. So, oh, is it girl? Okay. So, so so this Joseph Levine, who's 56 years old. Uh, he's a dealer at the World Series for the last few years at least. Uh, he's dealt at my table before. Only reason I remember the guy is because he looks like Elvis. Like, you remember when you're playing the World Series and Elvis shows up to deal to you. Now, he doesn't try to act like Elvis. He doesn't do a whole act at the table. He just deals normally. I don't know why he looks like Elvis, but that was, that was his thing. He was well-liked in the poker community. A lot of people liked the guy. But like many people who seem, you know, Generally normal on the service, though. You know, someone who dresses up as Elvis, you wonder if uh, you know what would make him want to be like Elvis. But okay, you know, no, it's a harmless thing. And as I said, people like the guy, and he seemed like a good dealer. 
but sometimes they have a side to themselves behind closed doors that you wouldn't expect, and that's definitely what was going on here. Um, this is such an odd story. He Wait a minute. In, so he spent he spent his life impersonating Elvis, and I he might I have some deep seated emotional issues. Uh, well, I don't know if it's emotional doors. issues, but this is what happened. Uh, this guy knew a woman known as Maggie. Her real name is Marjorie Fiora. She's homeless. She is thirty years old, and uh, she was swimming nude with two of his brothers at Elvis's house here. So, I. So they knew this homeless woman, and it's not hard to figure out why they had her over there swimming nude. And before you get too excited there, Marty, about a 30-year-old woman swimming nude, uh, have you opened the thread and taken a look at her yet? No, I saw her. She looked uh, uh, pretty nasty. That's an understatement. First of all, this woman looks like she's 50, not 30. She looks – she kind (laughs) of looks like a 50-year-old cross-dresser. Like she's – and like like sores all over her face probably from doing meth, like – she has this weird kind of like pink and black hair. She's yeah, about, she was quite, quite, quite the shocker. She's about as gross as you can imagine. Like, like, really cannot get that much worse looking than that at age yeah. thirty. And uh, not, not very, not very attractive. Yeah. So uh, she was homeless, and somehow she knew Elvis and his two brothers, and she was swimming in Elvis's pool nude with the two brothers. I don't know if they were nude or not. Now, to Elvis's credit, he was not doing this uh, skinny dipping himself or taking part in it. He was inside his house cleaning. And uh, at some point, Maggie got out of the pool, still nude, and nobody knows what happened, but the two brothers who were still in the pool heard a gunshot. And, of course, they, they jumped up and said, what the hell is this, and ran in, and... Elvis, Joseph Levine, was on the floor dead. Maggie, Marjorie Fiora, was holding a shotgun and said, I have to kill him. She already had killed him, but she, she was acting like I she I know, had but what, what did he do? Nobody knows. Why did she, why did she Nobody piss him knows. off so bad? Nobody knows. So, I'm, I'm trying well, to get to the root of the no, problem here. No, the root of the problem why the hell is she's did nuts. she shoot his ass? The, real, the root of the problem is she's completely nuts. So she said, I have to kill him and then try to run away. Uh, as she's running away, the two brothers actually tried to get the gun away from her, and one of them did. One of them actually grabbed the gun, took it, but then she ran out of the house nude. She then broke into a nearby house and was still nude, and like, hmm, I'm nude. Maybe I should get some clothing. So she broke into a house and stole a dress from the house to wear. So she's wearing the dress. And Man, her, 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 her mug shot made me want to puke. I cannot imagine this woman nude. That's what I'm saying. Her, her, body, her, her body must be equally as disgusting, if uh, way more than that nasty-ass face. No, it's, it's awful. It's, it's awful. So, so, and this is a homeless woman. I, this is not the type of person. I understand you, you pick up a homeless woman and take her to the pool and say, oh, you know, I, I bet her standards aren't too high. I bet you'll have sex with me. But you've got to have some standards. You, the, I don't know – the circumstances of who is expecting to get laid here. It, it probably was his brothers because his brothers are the ones who were swimming with her, and Joseph was like, he didn't seem interested in this. He was uh, cleaning the house. But apparently he knew her from before, so it wasn't just a stranger they picked up. This is someone that they had known for a while. And I don't know if she and Joseph had had a sexual relationship or not. But anyway, uh, she stole this dress, and then the residents of the house see her. Now, at this point, she's, <laughs> at this point, she's not that threatening because she doesn't have a gun. So you just have a weird woman in your house that's, that steals a dress of yours and is, is, you know, is wearing it. 
it's weird, but you're not really, really scared provided you don't see any weapons on her. Because, like, what's she going to do to you? Uh, but anyway, she told the residents that her boyfriend was trying to kill her. She then ran off, and she was found in another home's backyard by police and was arrested. So uh, she is arrested. Fucking, she, fucking, if I may, fucking Las Vegas. Yeah. What a bunch of degenerate fucks. So, so, this <laughs> so is, you got an Elvis impersonator with uh, a woman that looks like a complete train wreck. Shot. She's running down the street nude, you said? She ran away nude and then broke into a house to steal a dress. <laughs> and then told them that she's running away from her boyfriend who's trying to kill her and then ran out of that house and was in someone else's backyard. I mean, obviously this woman was obviously this woman was just, you know, really mentally disturbed and maybe on drugs, who knows? And and I'm guessing here, I read it between the just lines sli- here. Just slightly. Good read good well, read. I'm, I'm not, the part good I'm guessing read. on here is that uh, the brothers had her there hoping for some kind of sexual favors, thinking that she'd probably be easy, and maybe she'd done stuff with them before. And I've, I've heard, I don't have this verified, but I've heard that uh, this woman knew Joseph and her brothers before. And, and I, I have a feeling the way they thought was, okay, yeah, this woman is some homeless, psychotic trash, but, you know, what's she going to do? What she, you know, we're we're big guys. This is one little woman. What what could she ever do to us? And that this is an example that you let a really really crazy woman in your house, <laughs> anything can happen because you know forget a gun. I don't know how she got the gun. That's the weirdest thing. Like where did she find the gun? Maybe she'd been in his house before. That I never figured out how she got a hold of the gun. Because well, she, she obviously knew. She obviously knew where it was. Yeah, she must have known where it was knew, in the house. She knew the guy had a gun in his house somewhere. Yeah, she just so, went and grabbed it. So she went drunk and, bitch. right. So she went and uh, she she was in some sort of like crazy state where she probably <laughs> thought that Elvis was trying to kill her and just probably imagined the whole thing. I'm I'm sure Elvis didn't do anything to precipitate this. I I doubt that Elvis would let her swim in his pool and then when she comes in like start attacking her. It just and he no, was. I, I'm really I'm really interested to find out some more details of the story. I don't think there's it many more. Like, it seems like it's a little premature to speculate on how the whole situation went down. I'd be really interested to see. But the, it happened uh, very fast, the, apparently. It happened. It wasn't like she was in the house nude with him for 45 minutes and something happened. Like she went in there, <laughs> and like a short time later, uh, he got shot. So I think that she just went in there and hallucinated that he was going to kill her and then went to the shotgun where she probably knew where it was from being there before and, and shot the guy. And then probably still didn't realize he was dead and was saying, I have to kill him, I have to kill him, and ran away believing that she still had to kill him. Like I think she was that messed up. And uh, this is really why you don't bring someone like that into your house, even if it's someone who you feel that you could physically handle. Uh, if they have a weapon, you can't. So, And especially you don't see it coming. So um, obviously she didn't overpower Elvis and take the gun from him, but she probably just surprised him. She probably just knew where to find the gun, took it, and shot him. So uh, someone who knew Elvis told me that he was a really nice guy, he was uh, – no, no, I, I believe it. I believe Elvis was – I don't know why you're laughing at this. I believe Elvis was a, was a good guy. Who, uh, I'm, just, know, I'm, just, I'm just laughing at the irony. You know, uh, that's all. I'm not laughing at the guy being dead. I'm just laughing at the irony of a fucking Elvis uh, uh, poker dealer being, ki- being killed by this psychotic meth head bitch who found his gun. <laughs> well, the moral of the story is here. He's obviously had her over there before, and she knew where to find the gun. And you know, they befriended someone who they should have really stayed away from. And I, I think maybe for sexual reasons, I don't know if it was the brothers or Joe, whatever it was, uh, it was a mistake. And unfortunately, Elvis paid for it with his life, and that's why you keep people like that out of your house 
and uh, I, I still don't understand where they found any sex appeal in this woman. But well, rest, in, rest in peace. Yeah, rest but, in peace. But Elvis. no, someone told me that that he was a nice guy, but that uh, he had a poor choice in friends, the way the person described it. So uh, that's that's what can happen. Oh, so yeah, because obviously uh, working as a uh, an Elvis impersonator poker dealer is going to attract. Uh, all the best types of people to wow, be this, close friends. This of yours. is interesting. Someone found an old Facebook page of hers. This is Forum Wars, who listens to the show. She took a look at the chat room, and I just clicked on a link, and she looks a lot better in this picture of herself from her MySpace. Now, this must have been years ago. She wasn't really pretty, but she was okay. I'd say she's like average looking in this picture. And, whoa, 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 what's this crap? This is why MySpace is such a failure. See, this is why MySpace is a failure. I'm like trying to look at a picture on there, and that crap pops up. It just pops up and plays in my ear. That's why MySpace has become a failure, and Facebook has killed it. But anyway, and if I was if I if I was really really drunk, I would slam the shit out of her. She is definitely a two a.m. keeper. You mean the old I picture? Would, I, would, I, would, I would, I would, yeah, the old Marjorie, the okay. old one. No, I, was, the, I was hoping, the, I was hoping you were not talking about the current one. No, 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 of course not. No, I mean the Facebook picture I just saw. Yeah, the the picture of her, which uh, you know must have been from a few years ago. It it wasn't that bad. She I, she's you know okay, average looking, but she's boy, sem- she's semi doable with a double digit blood alcohol level. But, but boy did boy did she uh, go in the in the toilet since then? Wow. It's amazing. I mean, it's obviously something like meth that did it to her, but wow. So what's next on the plate? What's right. on the next on the topic oh, list tonight? Yeah, don't rush through it here. We're going to be done with the show too early. Uh, so next on the plate, though, we are done with this topic, so we will move on. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Uh-oh. Is that My Winnie? Is that Winnie? freaking out. Uh-oh. What are you doing? I think this is Winnie's first appearance on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Is this a, no, it's actually her second. She had a, a cameo before. <laughs> She's uh, Anyway, it doesn't matter. So what's next on the topic? Okay, list well tonight? the next the next topic here is the 2014 Poker Hall of Fame candidates announced, and this was just oh, announced shit. today. So this is actually a very topical topic here, or timely topic, shall I say? Uh, because this was just announced today, and there's a lot of discussion, a lot of controversy about it already. A lot of people were upset when last year. I'll give you last year's ten names really quickly. Five of them are going to appear again this year. Last year's 10 nominees, also in September, Chris Bjorin, Humberto Brenes, David Chu, Thor Hansen, Jennifer Harmon, Mike Matisau, Tom McAvoy, Carlos Mortensen, Scotty Wynn, and Huck Seed. Now, of this list of 10, uh, the one that was far and away the least deserving of the Hall of Fame was Tom McAvoy, who's basically done those nothing. Are all, those are all the nominees they put in this year? No, last year. Okay, so that was last okay, year. Last year. Last year, and of those ten, by far the one who stands out as not being worthy is Tom McAvoy because uh, all he did is win the main event, which was a much smaller field back in 1983, and has done really nothing in the 30 years since. He's been good at promoting himself, I'll give him that, but poker-wise, he's done very little. Uh, there were a lot of names that were kind of marginal, whether they should make it or not, people like Jennifer Harmon, but uh, there were... Some that stuck out that should, for sure, like uh, Scotty Wynn. Uh, I felt that Mike Matisau should have made it. I felt that uh, David Chu, another one who'd be worthy of making it. And even someone like Jennifer Harmon, I, I'd say, okay, you know, I, I, it's kind of marginal, but I could believe it. I could accept it. But, well, Tom McAvoy was the second choice. Scotty Wynn was the first choice, which is fine. 
But Tom McAvoy was the second choice, and people wondered, how the hell did this happen? How the hell did the least qualified person by far get elected to the Hall of Fame while eight others, including someone like David Chu, who was really uh, worthy of it, uh, were not? And so, Todd, so, so there were ten nominees, and how many got in? Two. The most they can elect in any year is two. You can elect zero, one, so or two. Who are, who are the ones that got in? So it was. I just said it was Scotty Wynn and, Scotty Tom, Wynn? Ma- and Tom McAvoy. And Tom McAvoy. Yeah, so, okay. so there was a lot of controversy about the Tom McAvoy thing, and it was discovered that there were voting blocks where people actually got together and discussed – who they were going to vote for. And we're not talking about large numbers of people that can vote on this. It's only the existing Hall of Famers can vote. So, so we basically have we basically have poker Hall of Fame voter fraud. Right. Is that the it, idea? Yes, there was there was rigging <laughs> and uh, and they got together and said, you know what, we like Tom McAvoy. He's a nice guy. Let's 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 give this to him just because he's nice. And that's <laughs> that's not the way the poker Hall of Fame should be. You shouldn't give anything to someone because they're nice or because uh, you know they. they They've been a good ambassador for poker. That's not a good reason to put them. In the I can't. Hall of Fame. I can't even believe there's a poker Hall of Fame in the first place. Yeah, that's 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 already <laughs> stretching it. I agree, but uh, there's a few problems with the Poker Hall of Fame. So that's one of them. The, the the there was campaigning where people were campaigning, vote for this person, vote for this person. It was ridiculous. But another problem is that some people who are nominated for the Poker Hall of Fame are not nominated based upon the fact that they are a good player or have accomplished a lot. Sometimes they're nominated because they're a good tournament director or they've uh, done a good job promoting the game and and other crap like that. Now, I think it's fine to honor these people in some kind of separate Hall of Fame if they want to, but they shouldn't be competing for one of two spots with great players. It's ridiculous to have them in the same voting. It would like be, uh, you know, voting, uh, you know, Vince Scully so there's, versus so there's, Miguel Cabrera. So there's Cabrera. actually there's actual lobbying involved. Yes, to be nominated into the Poker Hall of Fame. Not just nominated, but uh, elected. So so it was ridiculous. There was a lot of controversy last year. And let me give you the criteria. You asked that earlier. What is the criteria to? Yeah, like what's the criteria to be voted in? Okay, here we go. A player must have been must have played poker against acknowledged top competition. Uh, be a minimum of forty years old at the time of nomination. Played for high stakes. Played consistently well, gaining the respect of their peers. Stood the test of time. And and if you're not a player, then are these bullet ha- points? Are these bullet point uh, criteria? Yeah. Or just reading from a paragraph. No, no, the bullet point. And then it's bullet point. And then for non-players, people who are going to be nominated based upon what they've done for poker, uh, contributed to the overall growth and success of the game with indelible, positive, and lasting results. Which is, of course, a oh bunch of bullshit. God. So, so the last one is obviously a big problem. And then that's cr- it's cr- yeah, the last one's cringeworthy. Yeah, and let's look at Tom McAvoy here. Let's see, uh, has he played? With acknowledged top competition, I mean, uh, I, I guess you can say that if you count the other people in the tournament with him. Uh, you know, is 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 he forty years old? Okay, I'll give him that one. He's over forty. Uh, Todd, been, have you have you have you asked uh, Tom McAvoy to be on the show? No, have you had contact with him. He probably won't want to come on after this. Uh, have you had Have you ever had any kind of contact yes, with him? Yeah, I have. I've, I've met him before. I mean, he's he's a nice guy. I don't have anything against him. It's just he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. It, to to be fair, I don't either. Like I'm over forty. I I could be nominated. If I was, I'd be embarrassed. I'd say no, 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 no. Don't don't put me in. I don't deserve it. Uh, so he doesn't either. Like I, I'm not saying he's a bad person. He just he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. 
played for high stakes. He hasn't done that. Played consistently well, gaining the respect of peers. Well, Tom McAvoy actually wrote an article in Card Player some years ago saying that uh, he can't keep up with the aggressive young pros these days, and he doesn't know how to handle them at the table. I mean, that's uh, that's definitely not uh, playing well and uh, gaining the respect of peers. Uh, stood the test of time? No, he really hasn't won anything in many, many years. And uh, so that's pretty much it. All, all he's really accomplished is being over 40 years old. So that was last year. So this year we have 10 nominees. And... Five of them got renominated. The five that got renominated were Chris Burin, Humberto Brenes, Jen Harmon, Mike Matisau, and Huck Seed. How the hell is Jennifer Harmon on that list? Well, the better question how the hell is, is how the hell is Jennifer Harmon of all poker players on that list? Well, I, I I can see some merit in having her in there, but cash game wise, I've heard mixed things. I've heard from some people that she's really a good cash player and done very well. I've heard from others that her winnings have been greatly exaggerated and she isn't even doing that great. But but if you believe the people that say that she's a very good cash player, then maybe she does belong in just because you know she's not a great tournament player that shouldn't disqualify her. But I'm kind of on the fence with her. But what's ridiculous is the people who were re-nominated from last year, notably missing, is David Chu. He's just gone. So what's ridiculous is we had Tom McAvoy make it in for no reason, and then David Chu, who should have been in Tom McAvoy's place, is nowhere to be found in 2014. David Chu is an accomplished grinder. Not just that a grinder. Guy a, he's that guy's a pro grinder of commerce, not and just, he has really good tournament results. Really good. How is that guy on a snap call? Yeah, let me tell David Chu. David Chu is one of the most respected players in the poker world, among yeah. other pros. He has seven point million, seven point seven million in cashes as of last year, and he cashed more this year. Uh, he is number one on World Series of Poker limit hold'em caches of all time. I, I uh, envy him there because I'm number 10. I, I hope to reach number one someday, but uh, he's number one at the moment. Uh, he's won bracelets in uh, stud in 08 also, so he's not just a limit hold'em player. Uh, he just has really good right, results. Right, he's got, he's, got, he's got two bracelets, right? Is it two or three? Uh, he has uh, no. He has a, um, at least one limit hold'em bracelet. He has at least three. So... He has a bracelet. He's, Sato, built, he's, he's, built, he's built a very strong legacy yeah. among uh, pro poker players. Yeah. So, so and, he, and, and, and to, to, he's ignored because he doesn't have a high profile because he's a kind of a low key player. Yeah, he's the quiet he's Asian not, guy. He's not, he's not out there advertising his his prowess. Yeah. He's just doing the job and doing it doing it right. Yeah. He's a he's a quiet <laughs> Asian guy, and uh, you know he doesn't make a lot of noise at all. So. So you can forget about him, but uh, they shouldn't forget about him. So the amazing thing is not just that Tom McAvoy made it last year, but that David Chu does not get renominated for 14. So let's talk about who is nominated for 14. I mentioned those five names. Uh, the new nominees: Bruno Fatusi, Ted Forrest, Daniel Negranu, and now now you can get ready to laugh. Uh, Jack McClelland. <laughs> And uh, and Bob Hooks. Have you ever heard of Bob Hooks before? I mean, serious. I've never heard of Bob Hooks in my life. I've I've been in poker for 14 years. I've never once heard of Bob Hooks. I'm like, who the hell is Bob Hooks? So I looked I looked this up. 
I look up who is Bob Hooks. Why why is he being nominated? And apparently Bob Hooks is 85 years old. And he was part of the old school poker scene spanning back to the 50s. And, uh, yeah, he played with Doyle and Amarillo Slim. And great. You know, he's got some good old poker stories. And I think he might be an interesting guy. But he hasn't really won anything significant. Uh, as far as I've seen, he hasn't even done that much of the poker community. You know, he's worked at, at a few poker rooms uh, over the years. and uh, But he's not anyone special that should be in the Hall of Fame. He's just been a guy who's been part of poker for 60 years. So fine. He spent most of his life being part of the poker community, including like way back to the 50s. That's that's interesting to talk about, but it's not Hall of Fame worthy. But yet he's one of the 10 nominated. Uh, Jack McClelland, he's just a tournament director. He's not even a player. Uh, a lot of people think he's a good tournament director. That's great. So, so Jack McClelland ran good tournaments and good for him. He did his job well, but that doesn't mean he should be elected to the Hall of Fame, especially when there's only two spots being given every year. What's going on there? I'm hearing you. What's that? Are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm hearing like noises. Like, oh no, there's just a walking to Mexico. Okay, well, I but... live in a very live in a very interesting place. Okay, at least put it on, at least put it on mute when that's happening. Whatever it's happening there. Just... No, I'm, I'm waiting for you to I'm waiting for you to get through the bullet points. Okay, so I mean, I know you, I know I know you have an agenda. I'm trying to be respectful of the show here. So okay, please so please so uh, so then we have um, Bruno Fatusi. Have you heard of him? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I've, I think I've seen that guy in a few clips. I, I know who he is. I've heard the name. He's not exactly a – doesn't seem like a, a poker legend. Yeah, he's not. Or so, a hall, doesn't seem like a poker Hall of Fame candidate. So this is the story Unless, with him. This is the story with him. He has uh, you know, some decent but not spectacular uh, tournament caches, like adding up to $2.7 million, but he's played a whole lot of them. Uh, right. So I don't even know if he's up overall. But uh, – Regardless of whether he is or isn't, uh, I can tell you that he's definitely not known as any kind of cash winner. In fact, I used to play against this guy on Poker Stars. Uh, he played a psycho quack, and I was always happy when the psycho quack sat down because he was one of the high limit limit hold'em fish. Like he was one of the pl- the loser, losing players at that hundred two hundred game on Stars, and I was always happy to see him. So he was definitely no cash aficionado. He was definitely not a big cash winner, even if Limit Hold'em was not really his game. I, I've never heard of him really winning any other cash games. So why is he being nominated? Well, he's a big guy for poker in France. He's a big poker celebrity in France. And he's really expanded the game in France. Uh, he's brought a lot of poker I mean, let's, players. Let's face it. These nominees, uh, the people getting elected, are basically uh, – doing their job with PR and they have people lobbying. What the fuck? Poker Hall of Fame? Are you kidding me? Yeah, so this... this Poker uh, Hall of Fame. This, no, they're, they're doing... They're donating money and they're making friends in high places. I mean, it's just really a I legit don't think, I, don't think, I don't think that they're donating any money. I just think that they do have the right friends and I think, uh, like, people like Bruno, who are just, you know, decent but not great players, uh, who've just been around a long time, made a lot of friends, and uh, and they're like, oh, Bruno... Well, he got a lot of people to play poker in France, so let's put him in because of everything he's done. Even for the, first the even the nomination list in itself is rigged. I mean, the whole I mean, yeah. let alone the appointees, the the list in itself seems pretty rigged to me. Yeah, on it, the surface, it, they're definitely picking certain names that that shouldn't be there in the first place. Like like Tom McAvoy last year, I thought he shouldn't even have been nominated last year. Uh, then, in addition to these three, we have uh, Ted Forrest. Ted Forrest, I, I can see him. Making it, he's not a slam dunk by any means. Come on, but... Todd. Come on, Todd. You can't say anything bad about Ted Forrest. 
that guy's that guy's another Hall of Fame commerce grinder who plays high limit. Who um, it's pretty tough to bag. Well, on, the thing the thing Ted I'm not bagging on Ted Forrest. I'm just saying uh, the the one strike against him is that in recent years he hasn't done all that much. But uh, but prior to that uh, he was respected very much for his cash game play and and succeeded in tournaments. So if he got nominated, I wouldn't complain. Uh, the one I think who's most worthy of this year's group is Daniel Negreanu, the one, also one of the five new nominees. The reason he just got nominated is because he's just old enough now, 40 years old, to be able to do it. And uh, Daniel Negreanu... So since, since you mentioned Daniel, I, I want to stop you right there. What's what's your contact been with him? Have you guys ever made it? I know that you've been a, a, a staunch critic of, of Daniel. No, 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 you're convinced. And he's had you're, a few public things to say no, about you're, you. You're confusing me. Wanna, you're confusing me with my no. former radio partner. Me and Negreanu get along. I'm sure... No, Todd, I'm not. I, I'm just trying to figure out what your personal contact with Daniel's been. Uh, my personal contact with Daniel has been limited to seeing him at the tables at the World Series, and when he sees me, when I see him, you know, he says hello to me. We talk for a little bit. Um, we both agree on certain subjects. We agree about Annie Duke. We both dislike Annie Duke. He actually hates her more than I do, but uh, oh my god, he he, he hates Annie Duke. Yeah, and uh, Annie, you know, Annie he, Duke is the worst. And he was very outspoken <laughs> about UB, partially because Annie was one of the people who was uh, involved with it. But he is close friends with Phil Hellmuth, and he still spoke out against them. So you know, he was very anti UB. Daniel Negreanu. So in some ways, uh, we have uh, the same viewpoints. Uh, I have. No, I asked. I asked. I asked about your personal contact with him. That, that's what I'm telling you. My personal contact was only seeing him at the tables and talking to him. And whenever we have, we've gotten along fine, and there's never been any kind of problem between us. So, uh-huh. so I have no problem with okay. Daniel Negreanu. I just, have no just problem. Curious. I'm not. I'm not trying to back you into a corner here. I'm yeah, just no. curious. No, I'll tell. I will tell you of the players when I mention them on this show. Like the ones I don't like are the ones that don't like me. But Daniel Negreanu, I have no problem with the guy, and I think he doesn't have a problem with me. I, I kind of have, uh, you know, he's not my friend or anything. But uh, and there's a lot of things he does that I don't agree with, like this choice center crap. But uh, at the same time, uh, I think he's done some good things. I think he's a good ambassador for poker. I think he's done a lot of great things to promote poker, and he's been a very successful player, uh, both you know, ma- mainly in tournaments and cash. He's had. Results that are, uh, you know, were good a long time ago, but in recent times he hasn't been much of a cash player, and from what I've heard, he's lost. But tournament-wise, he's a great player. And you saw this past World Series how well he did. He's just making final table after final table. So the guy is a great tournament player. Has a good yeah, he, personality. Paid his, he paid his dues, and he's a talented player. Yeah. What else can you yeah, say about Yeah, and he's a, he's a good personality. And, and I'll say this about Daniel. Uh, generally, he's an honest guy and not shady. So I think he gets – I think he's kind of lost in a way. I think that uh, Daniel – Yeah, poor guy. I know the guy. Poor guy is living a multi-million-dollar no, lifestyle. That's the problem. That's, that's what people don't understand. I'm not saying that uh, he's got an awful life. Obviously, he has a whole lot of money. He has tons of people who love him. You know, love him meaning admire him. I, I don't mean actually really love him. Uh, but the problem Daniel had and I think is what drove him to Choice Center – was that he felt that he did not have anyone who truly cared for him. Like, both of his parents were gone. I think he kind of snapped when his mom died, because he was very close to her. She was his only remaining parent. And when she died, he kind of snapped, and it's like, crap, there's not a single person in this world who loves me. I think he had a brother he didn't get along with. So, you know, he really he had a lot of people admiring him. He had a lot of money, but he didn't have anyone who really loved him. 
And I, I think that's a, that that's an interesting point. I, th- I think that got to him, and I think that's what drove him to a place like Choice Center. And uh, so I, that's like why what? I say that. Do that, I say Choice Choice Center? What's that? Choice Center is a, a cult like thing that he's involved oh, with. Oh, oh, oh! You're talking about his little uh, yeah religious venture he went yeah, on. Yeah, he went yeah. Out, he was seeking out some kind of uh, uh, cult mentality. Where they embraced him as the person. I, yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, he's been a great find for them because he's really been promoting it. And then uh, uh, he gets other big name. Yeah, but you know what? Involved. You know what? Though Todd, at the end of the day, Daniel's a good guy. That's... And, I, and I've never, I've never met the guy, but he seems like he's doing a nice job for poker. He is. He's likable enough. He's likable enough. He embraces the fans. You know, he, he's not a degenerate fuck. He's never been accused of uh, shady behavior. I think he's a fine ambassador for poker. That's, that's what I just said. Yeah, I said that Daniel. Yeah, I don't believe him to be shady. I, I think he's generally a good guy, generally an honest guy, and uh, yeah, you know. So even if he has some uh, issues in his own personal life, that's not really for me to be concerned with. So, so you know, for the most part, I, I think positively of Daniel, even though he and I have never been friends. But you know, he knows who I am. I and uh, we talk when we see each other. And he'll he even. Last year, ran up to me and made a comment about Annie Duke when I was sitting there, like at a different table. He came up to me specifically to, to oh, tell me. So. Annie, Duke, Annie, Annie Duke is such an incorrigible bitch. Holy so, shit! Yeah. So, so Dan- <laughs> oh, that's that's my opinion. I could tell you. I could spend the next three or four minutes telling you my my interaction well, with Annie last, Duke. Uh, in the series. On the last show, but we talked. We talked all about Annie Duke, and I, I had bad interactions uh, with her in the man. past too. She's but, awful. But anyway, well, that, that's not that's nice that you share a hatred of Annie Duke with Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, of this list, the two that I thought were most worthy of being elected of the five this year and the five that were held over from last year, and I can't pick David Chu because he wasn't nominated again. The two I think should get in this year are Daniel Negreanu and Mike Matisau. That's who I think we should get in. And if not Mike Matisau, then Ted Forrest is another good alternative. So how how is Mike Matisau not a snap call? Well, that's what I into think. The, he I didn't mean, make it last year. <laughs> he he also did not make it last year. So um, I mean, Mike Matisau really is a great tournament player. Uh, he's had a lot of personal and financial problems. He's a big degenerate. But uh, he's final tabled the World Series main event twice. One of the times had a big field. Uh, he made 13 World Series of Poker final tables. He's made five yeah, WBT final what's tables. What's up? What's up? What is up with that? Matisau fucking rules. What a gr- what a great uh, what a great candidate for the Hall of Fame of Poker. Where's yeah, so, the criteria for for degenerate fucks? So, so they <laughs> anyway, didn't pick him last sorry, year. Sorry, Todd. I'm I'm a big I'm a big Matisau fan. That's amazing. They yeah. they would just. No, not only that, I, like that. I, I think Mike Matisau, despite his personal demons and, and issues he has and mistakes he makes, he's generally a nice guy. Uh, in fact, I, I'll tell you something he did for me. I think I've mentioned it before on this show, but I, I really appreciate it. Uh, this was, I think, back in 06, and my parents came to watch me play poker for the first time ever. And they were watching me play, I think, the Limit Hold'em shootout or something on the first day. And, and Mike Matisau, you know, saw that they were my parents, saw they were there for me, and he went up to them and said, "See that guy over there? That guy is a great limit hold'em player." And this is, you know, Mike Matisau just came up to my parents and said this out of nowhere. I'm thinking that that's really nice of him, you know, a big guy, you know, big name guy like Mike Matisau coming up to my parents and saying that about me. I thought, I thought that was really nice of him to do. So, anyway, uh, Mike Matisau. Hey, so, if if you think about all the players in the poker world, all the most accomplished poker players. Look at imagine your own personal top uh, whatever top twenty, 
of all the all the best poker talents. Who who on that list doesn't have a big list of personal demons? Okay, think of all the, think of all the top performers in the poker world. Everybody has personal demons they're dealing with. Or well, whatever so, financial well, demons. Some more or than others. Like we we're just talking dead. about. We we're just talking about David Chu. He probably doesn't have many demons. He's probably just the, you know the quiet Asian guy who wins money. Like that's that's what I think of David Chu. Maybe, yeah. maybe there's something going on. Maybe he's got uh, you know he, he's got uh, people hidden in his basement and locked up there. But I don't think so. I think David. <laughs> I think David Chu is is a pretty. It, I think David Chu is what he appears where did, to be. Where did that come from? I, I'm just what thinking, made you think that David Chu has? I, I don't think that. I'm just saying, I said maybe, but I'm saying I don't think that. I think <laughs> I think David Chu is uh, probably exactly was, what he was, seems. That was kind of that was kind of random. Okay, so anyway, let's let's take a look at the chat room here. Uh, Forrest just kicked the shit out of Helmuth this year. Oh, you wrote that. What do you mean by? I that? didn't write that. No, I just responded. Oh, to that. oh Bukowski said that. said that. I see. I don't. I don't see what he meant yeah. by that. Uh, okay, Ivy might break the glass ceiling when he's eligible. Yeah, Ivy's definitely getting in. I mean, that's no question. Uh, but he's not. He's not eligible yet because he's not forty. So anyway, uh, here's now. Let me read to you the way the voting's going to go. And this is my biggest problem. This is my biggest problem. I'm going to read to you this from the World Series of Poker itself, a document submitted by them. Uh, this is how the whole process works, and this is going back before this uh, nomination. This should, this, should, this should be really interesting. Okay, so the public can submit names for consideration through WSOP.com. This already happened. And then on August 15th, the entire list that was submitted will be forwarded to the nominating committee, who will then be tasked with reviewing all the submissions and determining who will be eligible for the 2014 induction. The committee will determine if. So any- how do how do I get on the Poker Hall of Fame nominating committee? How does do, do you have to be appointed to the committee? I have no idea. Uh, I have no idea. So the committee how will. That, de- how does that work? No idea. Where, com- where, how did the committee get elected in the fucking first place? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll be happy to have you on there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, the the committee will determine if any others should be added. You and your, you and your, you and your laugh tracks, man. You love those little laugh tracks, don't you? Yes, yeah, so from watching go a lot of, ahead, from, from ahead, a lot of sitcoms ahead, in the thought. 70s. Anyway, the, the committee will determine if any others should be added, such as non-poker players who contributed greatly to the game, any glaring omissions, etc., which means like whoever they feel like adding of their friends, uh, right. and determine the final eligible list. The nominating committee's final list will be announced in September. That's what just happened. They just announced our final list. Anyone on this list will be forwarded to the official voters made up of current Poker Hall of Fame members and select media. I don't don't see how the media gets selected. Like, who is select media? Select media. Who who will cast ballots to determine the induction class in 2014. I bet select media is probably the media who will vote the way they want them to. Uh, A finalist ballot will be sent to the current Hall of Famers, 21 Living, the week of September 15th, who will rank – now, this is the worst part – who will rank the nominees in order of preference, ranking only those they deem worthy of admission in 2014. Now, this is the worst part. That's What I just read is the worst part. A finalist ballot will be sent to the current Hall of Famers, 21 of them, to the week uh, during the week of September 15th, who will each rank the nominees in order of preference, ranking only those they deem worthy of admission in 2014. Now, let me tell you the problem with that. There's a – mathematical problem with that that I'm sure they're aware of and don't care about. In fact, they're probably happy to have this problem. You are not forced to rank everybody from 1 to 10. 
you can just rank one and leave the rest blank. You could rank two and leave the, the rest blank. So you're saying, well, what's wrong with that? What's the difference between leaving something blank and ranking someone as 10 or 9? Well, I'll tell you what the difference is. They obviously have some kind of point system where they give them points for first, points for second, points for third, all the way down to 10th. And since they can be left off completely, they must get a point for 10th, too. So let's say they get so, – can, can, can I ask you a question here yeah. real quick? Is there, is there any benefit uh, financially or – in any other form to being elected to the Poker Hall of Fame? A little is bit. There, is there, what's the benefit? The benefit, is, there, the benefit is Other just, than getting a little badge or they're not getting a cash reward. No, no, no. But, but, being, but then they can write okay. books and other things. They can do appearances. They can, they can get more credibility this way. Oh, I see. So, so it's like a legacy thing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, you're in the Poker Hall of Fame. Congratulations. So, so anyway, let me tell you the tight, problem. Tight life. Let me tell you the problem with this way they're do, the, the, doing the election. If someone ranks someone from 1 to 10, if they rank the uh, all 10 people, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, every single one of those 10 people gets a po- at least one point. The 10th place gets one point, maybe 9th place gets two, all the way up to 1st place maybe gets 10. Okay, But everybody gets some kind of points. But if someone just ranks one person or two people, then those people get points while everybody else gets zero. Now, the reason that's such a big deal... In other, in other words, the whole system is rigged. Yes. The reason that's such a big deal is, look at this. Let's say all 10 get ranked. The first place will get 10 points. The 10th place will get 1 point, And the first place will have beaten him by 9. So he'll get ahead by 9. Uh, the first place versus the 5th place, uh, he'll have beaten him by 4. So he'll get ahead by 4. But if you it's are ranked all, first... It's all, about, it's all about lobbying and No, no, no but just listen In here. other words, just not, listen. It's got nothing. It's got nothing to do with uh, popularity. Yes. Uh, it's not a popularity contest. No, no. And here's the worst thing: is that some votes are going to be worth more than others because if you leave some people off, then you're inflating the points that uh, people are getting versus others. Because if you put someone in first place and nobody else, let's say you just put uh, who is that guy that uh, I, I didn't even know? Uh, what was it here? I don't remember like that joke. Name. Bruno Fatusi. No. Uh, Bob Hooks. Let's say you put Bob Hooks on the, uh, as number one. Play the laugh track again. Play the laugh track again. <laughs> okay. Bob Hooks. So you put Bob Hooks as number one. <laughs> okay? And then you don't put anybody else from two through ten. Just just listen to this. You put Bob Hooks as number one, nobody else two through ten. What happens is Bob Hooks gets us like a free ten points. He gets a free <laughs> ten points. And that even if somebody else gets rated one and Bob Hooks ten on the next ballot, Bob Hooks is still winning. Because Bob Hope's got points in both ways. So leaving it blank for everybody is a way to cheat. If you just want one guy or two guys to be elected, you just vote for them and you leave the other eight off. And this way the other eight don't get additional points and the other eight fall way behind the guys you put in for one and two. So you have a way to completely deny points for the ones of all but you want to see elected. So you know, This reminds me of the, the Electoral College. It, it's worse than the Electoral the, College. And how the popular vote – is basically at odds with um, with uh, uh, specific this is, districts. This is worse because uh, what you have is you have people who not only agree to vote for the same people together, but also a way to vote in a way yeah, to where a, a, the people totally, you vote a totally for. Rigged system from it's top a way to, to vote for people and give them way more points into where your vote matters more than other people's points. Who are doing it fairly? Point. So, fucking points. Yeah. Yeah. Very simply put. <laughs> 
If you're doing it fairly, your vote does not matter as much. If you do it unfairly, your vote gets more weight. And that's a totally flawed system, and they've known about it, and they're not changing it. And I have a feeling that shenanigans will happen again this year, and it makes the whole Poker Hall of Fame Welcome to the poker world. Okay, we're not exactly choir boys here. Uh, we're not about, uh, uh, exactly pillars of ethics in general. Yeah. Are so, you really surprised? Are you really surprised that the uh, Poker Hall of Fame is uh, completely rigged, Todd? You know, you I'm not. That, I'm not that surprised. I'm not that surprised. I just, I just wish that. I mean, there isn't a lot of financial incentive to this. I just wish they would at least do this fairly and honestly, but they can't. It, there's so much politicking here there's so much uh slapping on the back of friends here there, there's so much campaigning and rigging it's just terrible they should it's uh like bobby Orr just mentioned in chat it, it's almost like the poker hall of fame has gerrymandering <laughs> so it, it really is like that so uh not a big fan of the whole process one way they could easily fix this is number one require that the ballots are secret and nobody discusses it uh in fact don't even announce who the nominees are until the votes have been cast. And number two, uh, force everybody to rank everyone one through ten. Don't let them leave names off unranked. So let's uh, let's go over to the next topic here. Uh-oh. See, in all this excitement, I lost my agenda. Now i got to go find it again. I always lose my agenda at least once every show. By the way, are you drinking during this show? Well, yeah, I stayed sober all day. I started drinking as uh, soon as I called. See, that's, that's you I'm, told me to be, be sober when I called, but that's, I, I'm that's definitely That's what I'm afraid now. of here. It just seems like... Uh, but, but no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay, man. I'm not, like, pissed off at the world or angry. I'm just, just hanging out, having a good time. Okay. I'm not I'm not uh, looking to cause trouble. I'm not going to go on some random drunken rant. I was enjoying your uh, your analysis there. Okay. I think, so, the, I think the concept of the uh, Poker Hall of Fame in general is... Uh, is fucking ridiculous. Okay, so here comes the new. Here comes your new favorite Poker topic. Hall of Fame. Oh my here, god, are you kidding me? Here's your favorite topic. Uh, this is the Antonio Esfandiari and Phil Locke show that will be on the Discovery Channel. Now, here is what the way it's described on uh, a website called TV by the Numbers at uh, zaptoit.com. Let me read you the description. I just want high stakes poker back. Where is Gabe Kaplan? I don't know. The, all the, the rest of these poker shows are garbage. He's, he's other probably, than maybe uh, other than maybe the WPT uh, attorneys, but you know these other poker shows are just Gabe um, Kaplan is probably not even, back. not even not even worth watching. Gabe Kaplan is probably back uh, teaching high school with uh, John Travolta look likes or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, here's what it says. This is the press release from Discovery. Shark Week may be over, but several more card sharks are making their way onto Discovery. On September 10th, wow, tomorrow, Discovery will up the ante. That's already getting this is pretty tomorrow. This yeah. is tomorrow, folks. Listen to the way they're putting it. They will up the ante. They're already trying to like insert gambling terms that are stupid. Uh, with three brand new specials as part of a poker-themed all-in all-night. Hustling the House appears at, uh, sorry, premieres at 8 p.m. Pacific or Eastern Time. Is that what it's called, Hustling the House? Yes, then, cause not not their show. <laughs> There's three different shows. Hustling the House is the first one. Casino Secrets premieres at 9 p.m. And Underground Poker, that's the one with Phil Locke and Antonio, premieres at 10 p.m. Underground Poker. So here's the description of all of them. 
Casinos, lotteries, and bookies all use math and science to stack the decks against you. Now you can fight back. In Hustling the House, airing at 8 p.m., get the scoop that the house does not want you to have. Next up is Casino Secrets at 9 p.m. Is that, the, is, is that the official description for the show? Yes. Next up is Casino Secrets at 9 p.m. Every single detail in a casino is designed to keep the gambler from leaving. The longer the gambler stays, the more likely the gambler is going to lose money. In Casino Secrets, insiders reveal the hidden world of high rollers from the true Insiders! Odd- insiders! Yeah. <laughs> from the true odds of roulette to the inner workings of a slot machine, the truth is about to come out. It sounds like the X-Files. Okay, and then uh, finally... The truth is about to come out. Yeah, finally, Underground Poker premieres at 10 p.m. Phil Locke and Antonio Esfandiari are two of the most feared and successful players on the poker circuit today. Phil holds a world poker title, a World Series of Poker bracelet, and and owns the world record for the longest time spent playing poker in a single session, lasting 115 hours at the Vegas Bellagio in 2010. Antonio's won two World Poker Championships and three World Series of Poker bracelets, including the big one-for-one drop in 2012, where he took home the largest cash prize ever awarded at a single poker event in excess of $18 million. But but though it's the tournament circuit that made them famous, the bread-and-butter venues are the ones that the average Joes never see. The ultra-exclusive and closely guarded underground games where fortunes are won. Oh, my God, man. This is so funny. Hold on. Where fortunes are won, (laughs) won and lost, and won again, all in the course of a single night. Just to sit at these tables takes a lot of nerve and a lot of cash. But first you have to get in the door, and that means knowing the right people. Luckily, that's not a problem for Phil and Antonio. They know everybody who knows anybody in the poker world. In this special, they head to New Orleans, home to some of the most... Oh, man, this is just total disgrace yeah. listening to this. In this special, they head to New Orleans, home to some of the most coveted po- underground names in the nation, and use their connections to hone in on the action, whether it's at a, lux- a luxurious loft on Bourbon Street or in the back room of seedy swampside dives. Down in the Big Easy, <laughs> high stakes and danger preside with every raise and every call. And that's why it's exactly where Phil and Antonio want to be. Yeah, uh, oh man! So I want to, I want to, I want to punch that author in the fucking face. Well, so the, I wanna, unfortunately, I want to punch that writer in the face you right might, now. But you're going to probably want to punch the producer as well when you see the show. So, as most things that appear on TV, a lot of this is fake, and a lot of this is rigged, and a lot of this is set up. And uh, so, let's go over these shows one by one. Uh, first of all, these are not three poker-themed shows. It's one poker-themed show and two shows about casino gambling, two very different things. They don't bother to make the distinction. Hey, uh, hey Todd, can, can I jump in for one second before I forget this? Yeah. And it'll be really short. I'll keep this to like 30 seconds. But uh, where I am now, there's this station called 105.7. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, the only American version for U.S. music down here. And you know what these assholes do? They play the same track over and over and over every day. The same songs. Like Beat It by Michael Jackson or More Than a Feeling. And uh, I'm offended by that. Where's the originality? You know, and the fact that, you know, you see the comparison here, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but this station down here, they play the same, they play the same music like every single day, like the same uh, 30 tracks 
of songs every day. It's yeah, such a total I, insult. No, I, I, can, I can understand why that's annoying, but uh, you know. The and then when, is- I, when I when I the reason why I thought of that is because uh, when you described uh, that story or, or the new the new show on the Discovery Network or Discovery Channel for Phil and, and Antonio, they're basically lying to your face. You know, the whole description is basically insulting your intelligence. Well, yes, as an American or as a consumer, well, that's that's what they're all just TV is. Saying, How fucking stupid are you? That's, that's the problem with all of TV. All these quote reality shows are are fake, and that's why I don't watch them. They're, I will watch shows that are supposed to be fiction that are are not passing themselves off as real. But I hate reality TV, which is actually fake. So anyway, uh, let's go over yeah, these reality, one by one. Reality TV that's been uh, mashed over and over in the editing room and. Uh, and scripted for your amusement. And scripted. So, so here, here's. Let's talk about the first show, hustling the house, uh, where they're saying that they're going to show you how you can fight back against the casino uh, using math and science against you, and you can fight back using the same math and science. Uh, this is probably like a, a poor man's version of, of showing how you can count cards and and. and run other advantage plays in the casino. Maybe things like, uh, you know, sign up for their slot club and get a $100 free play and play the free play and then don't come back. You've just beaten the casino. I bet it's dumb look, stuff look, like that. T- Todd, you're, you're a bright guy. A lot of poker players are bright people, but most people in the U.S. are pretty much moronic and are going to fall for that hook, line, and sinker. Well, yeah, okay? that's the problem. The problem uh, most, is there's people, a lot of... Most people aren't, there, aren't educated. They're not paying attention. They're just getting... Uh, I don't know if that yes. makes sense well, or not. The, the, you're, yes. you're a smart guy. Well, yeah, no, you the, pay attention to this stuff. Most people we, don't. Right. That's what you're saying here is that this is aimed at the general public who knows very little about poker and gambling. And to them – it's, it's, it's aimed at the ignorance of the general public. Well, yes, and, and just the general public, just even smart people watching it who don't know anything about the gambling world, this may still be interesting because they'll believe what they're seeing. But if you know better, if you know the way it really works, uh, I think like the first show, this hustling the house, I think it's going to end up being lame and dumbed down. I don't think it's going to be fake. I don't think they're going to be setting things up or lying on there. I just think they're going to tell you things that are very obvious to anyone who's been around casinos for a while. Uh, so I, I don't think that'll be an interesting show. Uh, for someone who knows very little about casinos other than visiting Vegas once a year, it'll probably be interesting. Uh, then this casino secret sounds very similar. Again, it's uh, telling you the, quote, secrets that the casinos employ to uh, get your money, to get you to lose there. Uh, again, this is probably something very dumbed down that's not meant for anyone who has knowledge of the casino world, meaning most people listening to this radio show will not get anything out of it. And and I'm guessing what they're going to do, because they're talking about the true odds of roulette, they're probably going to reveal the house edge. So, like, if you spin a roulette wheel... Make sure it only has one zero on it instead of two zeros. If there's a second zero, there's a double zero on the wheel, that means your odds go down by this much. And that means over a course of 100 spins, betting $5 per spin, this is how much more you're going to lose. I, I, this, I, I bet they're going to do like some simple math like that and show people some calculations, some very simple calculations. If you stay for so many hours or play so many hands uh, at whatever per hand, how much you'll lose and – Something like that will be the point of the second one. So again, nothing that interesting. Now, the underground poker thing, that'll probably be the most watchable of the three, but I think it's yet another over-the-top Phil and Antonio show. I I don't think they're going to be playing in any seedy, swamp-like dives. (laughs) I mean, come on. 
and, and listen to the way they describe Swan, New Orleans. Swamp-like. Now, now, have you ever known New Orleans to be like a, a major home of poker? Not that you can't find poker in New Orleans, but would you ever think of going to New Orleans for the purpose of playing poker? Uh, no. No, no, nobody does. I mean, you know, my, my, my friend Michael and I went to uh, New, or- New Orleans uh, from Houston for the Grambling and Southern game, and we were the only two fucking white guys within like a five-mile square radius. Yeah. And New I, Orleans is a fun town, actually, but it's not a poker hub, yeah, it's that's not, for sure. And it's not like they're going to be playing in some kind of New York City uh, underground game. That would be interesting. But they're playing in New Orleans. It's obviously a big setup. And I don't believe they're going to be playing in a CD Swampside Dives. And you know why would they? There'd be like low limits over there. Then Phil and Antonio have a lot of money. They wouldn't waste their time with that crap. And uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the whole thing was fake because they're showing underground games. Now, why would they show these games and the people running them and the where they take place uh, just to make it easy for the police to bust them? It's, it's like saying, "Oh, come with us while we show you an underground Todd, drug." Todd, Todd, this is this is all by design. Okay, all this programming is by design. Whether it's whether it's poker or politics, you know, we're we're being fed what we're we're being fed a message that are that's backed by by a a lot of these messages, whether it's poker or whatever issue, is being fed by uh, deep pockets. It's that simple. Well, I'll say this: it's. What they're trying to do is put out entertainment rather than anything that's real. And so here's I, – I was waiting for someone to come forward. Well, here's, here's what I heard. I, I heard an interesting stat a few months ago is that uh, about 95% of all the media that you, you and I and everybody else consumes is owned by six different corporations. All, all the, the TV networks, the radio, the print, it's, it's a handful of, of – uh, of, it's just a handful. There's not a lot of independent media out there anymore. Well, that's I guess my only point. Okay. So with this this poker show on Discovery with Antonio and and Phil, well maybe it's there for a reason. Well, it's there for the reason of entertainment, and they're hoping to get ratings with it, not necessarily uh, sh- not necessarily no. show you and something all, that's and it's accurate. And it's also to perpetuate an anti-poker agenda. They're they're you know it's all scripted, like you said. It's all scripted. <laughs> You know, maybe there's an agenda there. That's my okay, point. so so here's the uh, here's I was waiting for someone to come forward who had some knowledge of this because, as you said, we can't find any kind of uh, trailer. So I was waiting for someone who knew something about this to come forward, and someone finally did. Now it's funny on two plus two, you have a few really good and intelligent posters and a very large group of idiots. So while you can find some good content on the 2 plus 2 forums, you also find a lot of garbage. So the thread about this show was garbage. It was just a bunch of people saying, oh, can't wait to see it. Oh, this should be interesting. Oh, can't wait. Yep, can't wait. So finally someone showed up with some interesting information, and nobody responded to the guy. Couldn't believe it. But this is what he wrote. I'm going to respond to him. This is a guy calling himself Wild Bill GCP. He wrote... When they came down to film the pilot, I had a couple of meetings with one of the producers. Sounded like they had some great ideas and and a particular direction they wanted to go that would have been well-liked by the 2 Plus 2 crowd. We actually discussed how important it was to represent this community by name. He knew nothing of the message board when I mentioned it, but, but said satisfying the, quote, Internet kids was a priority for Phil and Antonio. 
So at this point, this guy was happy hearing that uh, Phil and Antonio wanted the internet kids to watch this and like the show. So they didn't want to make it some Sat- BS. Satisfying internet kids. No, but I think that's they- good because satisfying the internet kids meaning we're going to put on a realistic program and not just yeah, put on we're crap. Gonna, we're going sh- to show you what you want to see on TV. Well, no. Satisfying the internet kids means that skeptical people like you and I uh, who are going to only want to see a real – Showing a Phil and Antonio playing poker, not some scripted crap in uh, in some fake uh, swamp side poker room. That uh, you know, we'll see something real. That's what they're trying to say, and so that sounded good. But it gets worse from there. While the Bill, of this, uh, odds of the show being real is about zero percent. Right. Well, listen. While Bill wrote, they also wanted to get to the stamp. They also wanted to get the stamp of approval from other poker communities, circles, and cliques in putting together a show. From what he said, it sounded like this was important to Phil and Antonio. He talked about how the producers wanted to realistically capture the local community's poker scene and the games in each city they visited. I thought this was kind of genius. Who wouldn't tune in to see the regulars from every locale sit in a game of Phil and Antonio? I gave him a list of guys I thought would represent a wide swath of players locally, meaning New Orleans, with a heavy influence on players that would, enter- would be entertaining. So, so this wild bill met with the producers and, and basically said, here, here's a list of people who live in New Orleans that would like to play these games and are entertaining guys to have at the table, too. So you won't just have like these quiet nits there trying to scratch out money. It'll be like an interesting table with these guys. And, you know, here's who you should call and here's uh, who you should play. And he believed that what they were doing is going from city to city and uh, giving a sample of what it's like with these underground rooms in each city with the one difference being that uh, Phil and Antonio play in every single one. So he wrote, I had very high hopes for the show. It overlaps some ideas I had about a reality poker show that I think could be a hit. That said, it's just, for, it's just formula. Well, hold it's, on, it's hold on. Ad, it's, a, it's about ad sales. Hold on, it's hold about on. Advertising sales. Wait, wait till the it's end of this. Then generating then revenue from a proven business model. Okay, wait till you that's, hear the end. That's, that's why they're, that's why they're going to broadcast this shit is because they can sell it to a handful of advertisers who are going to pay X amount of money. Okay. It's not about creativity. This is this is. Uh, I'm going to read the rest of this. You'll understand. That said, <sighs> I saw up, getting upset. That said, I saw some of their early footage they used to sell the idea to the network. Very stylized, and I felt like some quasi-reality, quasi-drama show. Essentially, the ugly embodiment of what you get when you use, quote, reality personalities to not pay actors, but want to film a scripted show. I have no idea if the pilot or series continued in that direction, or if that segment I saw was simply a tool to sell the concept. So this guy was very unhappy with what they actually produced, said it just looked like a typical uh, reality show uh, that was scripted and was fake. So he was very unhappy with what they actually came up with. But he said he's not 100% sure that's the way the show's really going to be. He saw something that they're going to present to the network and uh, wasn't sure if that's really the show they're going to present to the public. So then he went on to write this. From people that were filmed and helped with the show in New Orleans, I heard that Antonio Phil were, and Phil were great. However, the local, quote, scene that they captured for one locale was a bunch of Teamsters who don't even play, and they played down to stale Louisiana stereotypes that are all over TV. Instead of showing what New Orleans poker is really about, they went to a fictionalized route. 
One player in particular who occasionally posts on here expressed disappointment to be, quote, lopped in with that group and confided to me that he thought the final product wouldn't do us locals any favors. So he, he's saying basically, instead of really showing the New Orleans poker scene, uh, they just uh, filmed the scripted mess of New Orleans stereotypes. I know, exactly. exactly. That's why I brought up my story about the radio station down here, Todd, yeah, so. is because they're, they're basically just insulting your intelligence. You know why deliver why deliver the people quality content where you can sell them uh, prepackaged bullshit for the same price? And that's what it sounds like they're doing here. It sounds like they're tr- they're trying to present the public like, okay, poker in New Orleans. Well, picture the stereotypical New Orleans guy at a poker yeah, table. Yeah, they're just, they're just and, and that's what we're going to present little, to you. The little white. They're not going to show you the. They're not going to show you the real. They're, they're not going to show you the real version. They're going to show you the little whitewash version. That so, they probably scripted. Uh, the podcasting so, network can avoid any kind of potential lawsuits, or you know, it's, yeah. it's just I don't know. It's I think so it's funny that they they use teamsters at the table who don't even play poker. <laughs> like they just they just made up uh, a poker scene that didn't exist there by just uh, hiring teamsters Listen, to pretend to be poker players. So this is what the guy I, wrote. I hope you I hope you understand why I compared what you're talking about to. The broadcast. Yeah, I do. I do. So listen, here's here's the end of what he wrote. He wrote, I'm hopeful the finished product does a service for poker. The producers seem genuine and earnest, but producers seeming genuine, LOL, he wrote, that he wanted to do a good thing for poker. I'm going to watch it and hope for the best. And I think it's kind of awesome. Phil and Antonio are getting these kind of shows, though. Even if it's not perfect, hopefully it'll be a plus for us, and hopefully all the wonderful things we talked about will be show up, showing up on TV. I don't believe that's going to happen. Um, what the fuck? I think we're all going to be very disappointed in what we see. We're going to see exactly what he's describing there. Like they 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 go to a city and they try to put those stereotype of people from that city at the table with him. So you'll you'll have the New Orleans guy talking about how he's got to take a break from the table to go eat crawfish or something. I, I can who, just, who's who's writing these articles? Like an ex press secretary? No, 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 no. no. The, this is this is the guy who posted on two plus two. You're this talking about like this? Masters, this is master spin. What you're talking about? What I just read here, or the uh, the one that? Yeah, uh, yeah. What, what I just read it was uh, no, comical. No, no, the one I just read was was from a guy on two plus two who was critical of the show. Because uh, he had some part in it. So that, I thought that was interesting, and I think that is really telling us what we're going to see. Now, by tomorrow, we will know what we're going to see. And, in fact, I, I hate to say I'm going to watch this. Now, I remember I tried to watch Jennifer Harmon's train wreck of a show. I don't even remember what <laughs> channel that was on. But, that, boy, was that a disaster. Uh, uh, I, I think it was on uh, the TLC or something. But, boy, that was awful. Like, I, I barely got through the first episode. And then once I got to the second episode, I felt like I had to watch it to talk about it on this this show. But I was, like, fast-forwarding parts of it. Like, I, I couldn't even stand to watch it. it. It was awful. So we'll see about this, and we'll see about this uh, Casino Secrets crap. And I don't know if this is going to be, like, a weekly thing or if they're just doing a, a one-time show. I didn't quite understand it. But, uh, uh Someone else wrote that they've seen a preview for this this show and it looks fake as fuck. They wrote that was uh, Jay Acosta wrote that, so I don't know where he saw it, but he says he's seen and, one. And that's what I, that's, I I'd like to back up again. You know, look, don't you understand? There's a huge misinformation war out there. It's not exclusive to poker. This is this is going on all over uh, network television. They're trying to dumb you down. 
That's the agenda. That's the agenda. No, see, I'll, yeah, I'll so tell you what. Yeah, I'll tell so you what I think. I don't believe this. Theorists, is, but I know people you're... are smarter. People are smarter than the media gives us credit for. No, that part's true. But I don't think this is part of any kind of conspiracy. I think this is just a typical entertainment media who is giving the public a very dumbed down, simple version that they think they want to see, rather than showing something that uh, is real. No, I know. I know. I know, Todd. That's that's not exclusive to poker, though. It's oh, I know not, it's, it's not. It's, I know it's not. I have okay. a friend. I live a friend who lives in Vegas. His name is Dave Learman. We've had him on the show before. Dave actually appears on quote reality shows and news programs and just says whatever they want him to say. He, what he does for a living is just BSs on TV. And and you know the stuff he told me about you know how fake all of this is was eye opening even for me of how uh, how scripted <laughs> all of this reality stuff, all those court shows. It's it's all fake. It's all fake, or it's if it's not all fake, it's uh, even the real parts are uh, real, reality TV. Are, are mangled where they're no, no longer. Give uh, me, give me a fucking break, quote unquote reality TV. Come on, okay, come so, on. So I'm not. You're, you're still, you're still dealing with uh, network executives making decisions about what you see, what you hear, what you read. Well, this I'm not. A, I'm not a, optimistic a about it. of multi-conglomerate corporations that are dictating what you see and read and and watch on TV. I'm definitely not I'll optimistic about this now. series, and I have a feeling it's not going to be a success. But I will watch it tomorrow, and uh, I'm sure people will post about it on the site. Uh, Sorry, Todd. I had a couple of drinks after the show started. Yeah, I'm I can tell. To get back to I over. can tell. So, okay, Poker Stars is meeting with players in New Jersey in preparation for joining the legalized online gambling market there, in case you don't know, in about two months or maybe even one month or a month and a half, uh, Poker Stars will probably be going online in New Jersey for New Jersey residents only. It'll be a separate New Jersey Poker Stars. And then Full Tilt is starting up there, and you can play casino games on Full Tilt. That'll probably be happening in October in the state of New Jersey. Now, Poker Stars, I've criticized them for a lot of things, but one thing I will give them credit for is they are very good at operations, they're very good at customer service, and they're very good at uh, making business decisions. Uh, where they're not good typically is when they screw something up, they're usually very poor at uh, recovering from the screw-up. They're not very good at making things right once they messed up. They just kind of want to brush it under the table. But uh, as far as everything else, that they, they do pretty damn good job and uh, very smart people running the show over there, even with the purchase that was made by Amaya Gaming. So Poker Stars. Uh, rather than taking the approach of World Series of Poker.com and Ultimate Poker, who just decided to do things first and uh, solicit the community's opinion after, <laughs> and, and that's really what they did. It was amazing on both of those sites how many boneheaded mistakes they made that could have been avoided if they just consulted the community or consulted a few. Uh, uh, very regular online poker players who also can think critically to have beta tested the stuff and given them some good feedback. And if they did it, they okay. Didn't. So, so, uh, so people in New Jersey, uh, Poker Stars is going to be back in New Jersey, and people in New Jersey can play on Poker Stars against yes. other players in New Jersey. In New is Jersey, that the only. Idea? yes. Yeah, great. All right, but you know, go to New play, Jersey. They Whee! won't play. They go won't play New against Jersey. you. All though. right. I know you can play Poker Stars Mexico, but they uh, uh, they won't be able to play against you. But anyway, uh, New Jersey uh, is going to have Poker Stars, and they sent out invitations to various <laughs> online poker players in New Jersey 
inviting them to one of two open house sessions in Atlantic City. The first session was uh, it was yesterday, which was uh, uh, at the VU Lounge at the Hyatt Regency in Jersey City. And uh, the second one is tomorrow at the Landshark Bar and Grill at uh, Resorts Casino in Atlantic City. And they will be serving free lunch. Now, this isn't just like anyone can't just show up there. They're inviting people specifically. But Todd, you know what? You're, you're such a fucking cynical bastard. I love you, man. I'd love to tell you fucking crack on <laughs> No. Sometimes your your disdain for uh, basically everything is No, awesome. it's not disdain. I'm, I'm, I'm actually praising them here. You listen carefully. <laughs> no, I really am. I up. really am giving them praise because what they're you're doing here. Tr- you're such a terminal critic, man. You're fucking relentless. Well, that's what this, I, sh- actually, that's, that's what this show is about like here. About this, this show is actually about analyzing these things and calling out the good and bad. But but what's going on here with, uh, with Poker Stars is they are actually inviting the uh, – uh, the poker players that they think are like active players that they remember from the past and saying, Hey, why don't you come over and talk with us? And we're going to tell you what our plans are for the legalized New Jersey market. We're going to tell you what we're going to be doing. We're going to meet you. Tell us any concerns you may have. Tell us, you think, you know, tell us of problems you think that the existing operators have that you'd like to have us not have on our site. And, uh, they apparently invited people of all VIP levels, meaning they didn't just invite the supernova elites of the past. They invited people who were casual players all the way up to the mega grinders. So I thought that this was a good move by Poker Stars. I think it's always good to listen to the community. I think this is the way that you have a good site is if you listen to the customers, you listen to the players, and here they are listening to the players before they even launch. Which I, think I don't is know. At the, at the end of the day, statewide poker to me seems pretty fucking silly. You know, the whole hypocrisy that uh, Poker Stars is not available to every American citizen is offensive. Well, the land the, of the free, home of the brave, my ass. Well, I'll tell you the why, reason why are we, not. Why are, why, are we even, why are we even talking about statewide fucking poker? Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you poker, why. Poker has to lobby New Jersey so they can get in New Jersey, and then only people within New Jersey – can play against yes, other people in New let Jersey. Me, let me tell you that's why. Fucking, that's fucking retarded. Let me tell you why this is this is okay. Or not okay. I have to tell you, for poker players like me and you, it's a pain in the ass, and, and I wish I could just play everywhere and anywhere I wanted. But let me tell you why this had to be. is because Poker Stars was not regulated. Sorry, poker sorry, Stars, sorry, for my, sorry for my outburst, but it's... Uh, poker Stars started off. on its own without being regulated like all other casinos are. They just started on their own, said we don't care about the law. Even after a law was passed against providing online poker to U.S. residents, they kept doing it. And they were breaking the law while everybody else had to sit on the sidelines and wait. It's, and- not, it's, not, even about, it's not even about poker. It's about cash transfers. It's about international well, cash Well, I know, but that's, but that's the point. You can't have poker about, without about cash the, transfers. It's about the U.S. government being so paranoid about money being shuffled overseas that they're going to – Well, but I understand this. A, a, the problem is – A pure player-to-player cash transfer system. If you don't regulate this that, – That's one of the main reasons that PokerStars is not available in the U.S. is because people are shipping thousands of dollars player-to-player. Okay. If you don't regulate across, this, across international if borders, you don't have this regulated, then you have issues like what happened with Full Tilt, where all the money got stolen. UB, where they're looking at your whole cards and stealing your money. Uh, so there has to be regulation. There has to be a licensing process, and it has to be fair to everyone. And PokerStars got a huge head start because they operated illegally. 
And I felt that the, the fact that they're even in New Jersey is amazing because they had the big advantage over everyone else because they had a years and years head start over the other operators because they were running Great. illegally. Well, welcome back. Welcome back to New Jersey. New Jersey. Welcome back. Well, that's just the beginning, though. Once once they come to New Jersey, the question will be, is there going to be a big influx of new players just because PokerStars is there, or is it just going to be like the existing players on Party Poker and the other ones that are already there are going to shift over? And I think the existing players are just going to shift over. I don't think they're going to get a lot of new people, and I think PokerStars New Jersey is going to be somewhat of a fail site. But eventually when other states get on board, like California, if PokerStars gets to be part of California. That's, I know, but why isn't this happening in all 50 states? Why is because the each state has to approve the home of the brave, the only country in the world where people can't play on uh, play poker? Because it's just the they're just starting. They should have gotten this going a long time ago, but they're just starting to get the regulatory process going to where they can start legally regulating these rooms. It's, this, it's absurd. It, it is. And, and, it's absurd and the, for the moment, the but it will, it will the, improve. The hypocrisy is like fucking mind-boggling. But this had, to, this had to happen at some point, whether it's now or a few years ago or a few years from now. It had to happen at some point where the regulation was going to occur and it is going to be this downtime period where you can't play poker because you, you can't just allow sites to regulate Look, themselves and you see what with, happens. With, with, that, with that said, it really has nothing to do with the game of poker itself. The, the U.S. government's pissed off because a bunch of money is getting funneled outside of their borders, and they can't do shit about it. Well, that's, it's that too. And that's, that's what it comes down it's to. It's that too, but the truth is these, these unregulated companies should not have been allowed to do what they were doing because you saw what happened. UB is what happened. Full tilt is what happened. That's what that's what happens if you allow unregulated companies well, to. Well, that's fine, but Poker Stars has a sterling reputation. Well, so did for, so did Full Tilt. You can't just have a reputation. You need to be regulated. There needs to be guarantees to where people are not going to get screwed like this. So anyway, uh, putting aside that uh, that debate. Thank you for thank you for letting me go on that rant. But that that's uh, one oh, of by the, the way, reasons I moved uh, down to Mexico so I can play on a good site against international competition. I like way, playing against Russians and Canadians and people from the Netherlands. I don't want to move to fucking New Jersey and play against other fucking clowns from New Jersey just because Poker Stars is back in New Jersey. Who gives a fuck? That, I, that's the whole idea. I, I international have, competition. I have a few comments here. Great tournament selection. Okay, Marty, I have a few all comments here. All kinds of uh, limits. I mean, Poker Stars are the best, hands down. Marty, I have a few comments here. Okay. Gotten a number of texts during this show. Um, anyway, we, I'm done. That was really nice of you to let me go on that mega okay. rant there. I needed that. I feel I great few, now. A few texts on the show. First, uh, first text, uh, free Rolo Tomasi, and also I just pulled a 40-foot pipe from Fluffer's ass. Okay. this is uh, th- That's from the, the uh, 941 area code. 703 uh-huh. area code texted me. Um, Four bet donated five bucks to the free roll. Add that, please. Otherwise, you're hurting my equity. And signed, Crypt. From the 507 area code, just wondering if anyone has been in contact with Eric Ryland out there in Vegas for the past few months. His mom Ryland has. Is the, Ryland is the man. Big shout out to Wait, Eric Hold Ryland. on, hold on. Just wondering if anybody's been in contact with Eric Ryland in Vegas for the past few months. His mom has been calling me here in Minnesota <laughs> wondering about what? his well being. What? His mom is worried about it. Eric Ryland. Call your mother. 
Eric is Ryland, Ryland off, is is Ryland off the grid? I don't, someone in Minnesota is saying that uh, Ryland's uh, mom is calling them, asking what happened to him. I feel bad for Ryland's I, mom. I, I warn him. I warn him. Jeez. I warn him about Las Vegas. Okay, uh, this anyway, is from the, um, from the 702. Uh oh, this is this is a uh, a comment uh-oh. about you here. Don't read something. Don't read something negative, Todd. Come on, man. Well, it's, don't, it's, don't go there. Don't don't read that. You, you don't, don't read. Uh, don't don't read that crap. Well, I I read all the text, even ones about me, about you, whatever. All right, this what is, is it? Here we go. Ju- go ahead. Jew deal of the day. Marty has been seen blowing old dudes on San Miguel Beach for 200 pesos, San which, Miguel Beach. which which equals about fifteen dollars. <laughs> signed, Gay Jew Magoo. Then uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Now, the now fuck? there's a uh, six four one area code. This guy is definitely not a fan of yours. Drew, Druff, this is not going to work with Judonk. His timing is piss poor. Interrupts you too much. Get rid of My this guy. My timing is piss poor. I interrupt you too much. Get rid of this guy. This guy has AD, ADHD. Worst show ever. He basically brings nothing of substance to the show. Get this guy off or I'm going to stop listening. Oh, my. Uh, 773-area seven th- seven, seven, okay, well, code. I, I, can, I can hang up. It's okay. If you want to get rid of me, feel free to hang seven, up Seven seven three 773-area code. Shout out to Dr. Pockles. Druff, how bad do you think Marty's phone smells? 773. Seven, seven, that's, uh, that's probably a razor. Okay, then uh, 323 in L.A. Can you tell Marty's paranoid... Drunk ass to shut the fuck up already with Alex Jones conspiracy bullshit and never have him on again. Thanks. Yeah, pay pay attention, assholes. Better okay. fucking wake the fuck up. Do That's you listen to Alex Jones? Do you listen to Alex Jones? By the way. No, he's Alex Jones is an idiot. Okay. <laughs> Alex Jones perpetuates fear. Okay, this is this is he, on he, uh... he, Alex. Jo- Alex Jones promotes the um, he, he promotes the biggest fear story of the day for personal gain. Okay, this is, this is on, uh, this is from One Step in the chat. He wrote, can you ask Marty if he's seen any twinks in Ensenada or Rosarito? Hey, come on down. I'll pick you up in Tijuana. <laughs> come on down, One Step. I'll I guess pick he's you inviting. up. One Step was just in California. So, all right. So, anyway. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of Mexican twinks down here for One Step. He will, <laughs> okay. have, he will, he will have no problem getting. Call from getting, unknown caller. Okay, let's put this person on here. I think it's Delaware. Call you on the air. Hey, what's going on, boys? It is Delaware. So, Delaware, uh, uh, what do you have to say tonight? What's going on? Delaware. Uh, I, I like, I uh, was uh, looking at see G-Dog there and uh, with you. And like I say, only one person can talk at a time. But uh, he's never... In the ten years that I've known you, ever endorsed the poker site? Uh, is there any reason for that? Oh well, you, what do you mean endorsed? You mean uh, actually gotten a sponsorship? Yeah, you've never. No, done no, that. I did. I actually did. I had uh, two brief sponsorships. I had one with Sun Poker and one with Inner Poker, the two uh, titans of the poker world. But uh, I did. And by the way, there's never a scandal with either of them. So. At least I endorsed some uh, honest sites. Those are the two sites that I briefly represented, and I got a few poker tournaments out of it. Honestly, my mistake back then was not trying to capitalize on my bracelet win and my third-place finish, like, back-to-back. I should have kept playing poker tournaments and just, like, hammered tournaments and like until I got, like, a few other wins under my belt. And then I could have gotten all kinds of sponsorships. Instead, I was like, ah, yeah, I'm not going to play many tournaments. I'll just come back to the World Series every year. So 
then I didn't. I wasn't playing enough to really win anything unless I got really lucky again, and and I didn't, and that was the end of things. And you know, so that was that. And uh, I already had I mean, things working working if you against me. Endorse a site. I say you ever endorsed. I would think that that's where I want to play. Yeah. I, I think you're worth a lot of money because you don't push any site. Well, you know, it's interesting because what I'm going to do is uh, with the California excuse legalized... Me. Excuse me for one second. Excuse me for one moment. Delaware, how hey, are buddy. you? I'm hey, not, buddy. I'm still alive. I'm All still right. Alive. How are you? I'm good. Okay, so, so listen, to, good, to answer good, your question, your let me answer the question here. Uh, the reason, what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to try to see if any of the California... Indian tribes that are going to offer online poker uh, want me to be part of their operations. And if they do, I'll be glad to uh, – I'm not going to take some crap job, but if they want me in some kind of management position, I'll be glad to take it. If not, no big deal, but I'll, I'll put myself out there. And, you know, honestly, if I were hiring someone to be involved with this – with the legalized online poker market, I would definitely hire me for a few reasons. Number one – I actually have a software background and you know understand how all the software works. Number two, I'm such a veteran of online poker. I know exactly what all the players are looking for. Number three, obviously, I, I would know how to whip the customer service department into shape. Uh, basically, I would be exactly what they would need, uh, a former player who, uh, who really knows what's happening. And uh, I'm not saying I would be great at all types of jobs, but this is one job I would be really good at. I know for sure. Yeah, but I, I don't. You would never take a low-level job if you don't understand it. You won't endorse it. In other words, you yeah. got to know it's one hundred percent on the up and up for you to endorse something. Yeah, and that too, and uh, and yeah, also I the fact the that the poker community would know that. Yeah, and that that's a, that's a big factor too. Is that people know that I would not get behind a site that I didn't really believe in, and that uh, uh, and if they and if they had a problem, exactly how it works. Another thing is that they would know if they had a problem that they could come to me, and that I would be the type to actually investigate it and be fair to them, and not just say "f you." We're not going to look into it, or "too bad we're closing your account." We're not we're not telling you why. Like they know that would never come for me. They know I would never work for a company that behaves that way. So like. Yeah. So I mean, I think you've been a great ambassador for the game because you've never, uh, you've, you, and it ain't because it's you. It's you just are so honest. Yeah. Well, thank you, of Delaware. What you think? Thank you. So and you say it. So I, I just think that you're you're working your way to be worth a lot of money, and uh, uh, more money than you're already worth. Well, thank you, thank you. But I, you know, it, it really like wouldn't be about the money. Today about you, and it, I said in the last ten years, and I, and I guarantee it's a fact that you're a million plus winner over the last ten years. Yeah, well, but you never talk about it. You never talk about any of your cash game play. You never talk about. You never brag about anything. That's true. I don't. But but look. Uh, I wouldn't even be doing this for the money. Like I wouldn't want many jobs at this point, but this is a job I would want. Is, is managing one of the legalized online poker rooms. I would enjoy it. I, I would uh, like the experience of it. And uh, you know, if I get to do that one day, it'd be great. If I don't, then um, oh well. You know, it's not going to be the end of the world for me. But but I, I would do a very good job with it. And I think uh, any company that would hire me for that would really benefit. Smart, they're going to come to you. It's, somebody's going to come to you. I, I hope so. So I'm going to put myself out there, though, pretty so, soon. So, uh, so, so Delaware, my yeah. man Delaware, so I want to hear what you've been up to. What have you been doing with your life lately, my friend? 
Well, my back. I need a, I need a Delaware bad. update. Pardon me. My back has been real bad there, and it's like I gotta walk with a walker, shit like that. I'm just getting an old man. I'm 67. You know. So it's not like I can go to the casino and be comfortable and, want, and be able to play like I used to for 10 hours at a shot. You know, my back won't hold up to it. You know, so it's, uh, it's a shame. I mean, it's like live poker. I just win at it. I don't give a damn. You know, <laughs> what I said, I well, 38 wins in a row uh, is what I did. 38 wins in a row at, at 1020. So... I have long runs of, uh, of winning sessions, and then when I take a loss, it's buy-in, the 500s that I buy in the 1020 with. That's the max loss I'll take in a day. Okay, well... Very uh, controlled. Yeah, very Del- controlled. Delaware is very controlled. I'll give him that. Okay, so uh, Delaware, thank you for calling in. Always happy to hear okay, from you. I'm and uh, get off of here so other people can talk and you can finish. And it's a great show. I've watched it. I listen to it every week. Or if I miss it, I get it in the archive. Oh, oh, but Delaware. I, important question: Have you received the hat yet? I don't think nobody's checked the mail. Oh, okay. Uh, we're gonna have to walk over and check it sometime. <laughs> All right, well, go go check the mail. I bet it's there. Okay, buddy. And, and Judonk, you take care of yourself. You're a great writer and the best 180-man sit-and-go player. Uh, Johnny can verify that that uh, I think I've ever seen. Del, Del, I love you, brother. I'm so happy to okay. hear your voice. I'm okay. glad you're doing okay, good. Okay, boys, have a good show. I'm going to be listening take to care. the rest of it. Thank okay. you, thank you, Delaware. That's the immortal Delaware. Guy oh my God! Immortal is right. The guy's just gonna live forever. I think. I think he'll be like 105 years old. Uh, so okay, let's uh, move on to the next topic here. The Trump Taj Mahal, once the crown jewel of Atlantic City, has fallen upon very hard times. Very very hard times, and uh, they have filed for bankruptcy. So that's uh, bad news for them, though not a surprise. Now. Uh, Marty, when's the last time you've been to the Trump Taj Mahal? Have you, have you ever been there? Never. Okay, I was there once in 2004, and boy, was it disappointing. Now, up till that point, I had never been to Atlantic City, and uh, my then girlfriend Miri, who I know you met, uh, she was very insistent that we stay at the Trump Taj Mahal, and I said, no, 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 I heard the Borgata is better. And she said, no, I want to go to the Trump. Well, I overruled her and said, no, we're going to go to the Borgata. I, I heard that's a better hotel. I, I don't care if you want to go to the Trump. So we go to the Borgata. It's very nice. And then we go and visit the Trump. And boy, was she happy she listened to me because the place was a complete dump. Now, I didn't take a look at the rooms, but the parking lot was like this weird old school parking lot that was like dangerous where it was like very easy to not see the cars that are coming at you from the other direction. We park. There's like all these shady-looking people milling around in the parking lot. And then we're walking between the parking lot and the casino in, the, in like a covered hallway. And there's a bum sleeping there. <laughs> there's actually a bum. And I don't mean a, I don't mean a bum like – Well, listen. I don't, mean a, I don't mean a bum that actually just kind of passed out like a guy who drank too much in the casino. I mean a bum who's actually living – in the Taj Mahal hallway. I, I couldn't believe this. Like, Can you imagine a bum trying to live in the Bellagio hallway? What would happen? He'd be out of there in like five actually, minutes. Actually, I can. 
Why? Did you see yes. one? And the, what, what about the tunnel people in Las Vegas? People no, but that's a different story. That's people, that's people living in like storm dreams. I'm talking about it in a private property <laughs> like the Taj Mahal, which is supposed to be this luxurious place. There's a bum living in the hallway. So uh, this place, just the clientele <laughs> there looked very uh, seedy. I just – we turned around and walked right back out. And, and, and you're cra- you're cracking me up. I'm sorry to keep so, laughing. So you're now it's crazy. 10 years later. It's 10 years later, and the Trump Taj Mahal – I haven't been in there since. But uh, this is the article from Reuters today. Trump Entertainment Resorts, which operates two casinos in Atlantic City, joined the list of casino operators in New Jersey that have filed for bankruptcy. The company, which Donald Trump founded but no longer controls – operates the Trump Taj Mahal Casino Resort and the Trump Plaza Hotel in, and Casino in Atlantic City. The bankruptcy is the latest blow to the second largest U.S. gambling destination after Las Vegas. The city's casino industry is losing out to new rivals in northeastern United States with gaming revenue nearly halving from its 2006 peak of $5.2 billion. So they're actually making getting 50% of the revenue now as they did eight years ago, which is awful. More than 40 casinos have opened in neighboring, neighboring New York, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Maryland. At least 8,300 people are losing jobs in Atlantic City with three casinos closing in less than a month. Showboat, a Caesars Entertainment Corporation property, and Revell Casino closed recently. Okay, while- so, so, what you're, so what you're saying is that uh, New Jersey gaming is an industry in steep decline. Yeah, it's, it's going in the toilet, idea? yes. And, tr- and Trump Plaza Hotel, which is a different Trump, is going to close on September 16th, a week from today. Trump Taj Mahal is expected to close. Okay, so don't go to New Jersey. <laughs> is expected to close on or shortly after November 13th if the company fails to reduce expenses and negotiate a deal with its largest union, Good the company idea. said, in its bankrupt- bankruptcy petition in a Delaware court. So – uh, so first of all, it's important to understand that Donald Trump is not in charge here. In fact, he sued them last month. He sued Trump Entertainment. It's kind of funny. Donald Trump is suing Trump Entertainment. Can you imagine, can you imagine if it's like Todd Wittellis is suing Wittellis Entertainment, how ridiculous that would be? But that's what's happening here. Donald Trump is suing Trump Entertainment to have his name taken off. He wants his name off the two casinos, saying that the company let their casinos fall into an utter state of disrepair. So I, I guess Donald Trump went down there and found the same bum I did. <laughs> so he's suing his, he's suing his own holding company. Well, yeah, it's, uh, he's not, he doesn't control classic. it anymore. Uh, Trump sta- you know, here's how it happened. Trump's stake in the company was wiped out when the firm filed for bankruptcy in 2009. He emerged from the reorganization the following year with a 10% stake and a licensing agreement that allowed the properties to continue to use his name. So basically uh, he owns 10%, but he doesn't control it anymore. And also, he allows them to use his name, but now he wants his name off of there. He's claiming, even though I'm agreeing to let you use my name, you've let these properties go so far downhill that it's disgracing my name and my hairpiece. And and I what I want fucking, what a fucking idiot. And I want my name off of here. No, I don't blame him. I'd feel the same way. Of course, you know Trump is he's always been kind of shady. Some of you don't know this. This is a story about Mexico, actually, Marty. Uh, this is actually about Rosarito. Uh, there is a development that Trump was having built. Again, he licensed his name. He didn't. He wasn't directly involved, but he made people who were buying into it think he was. Uh, let me let me bring this up. It was an interesting story, and it never got much publicity. 
this is actually an interesting story. Interesting aside. What, what a, what a, uh, if I may, while you're looking for that, what a total dirtbag Trump is. Yeah, no, he is. What so a, listen to this. What a total dirtbag he is. He is. L- listen to this. Seriously, no redeeming moral qualities. This was this was this was uh, going to be actually in <laughs> Tijuana, not uh, not Rosarito. Playas de Tijuana. This Same is being thing. built. I know. Uh, I know Rosarito it's nearby. Is only about. Uh, 20 miles yeah, I know it's nearby. Long, so. uh, this is called the Trump Ocean Resort, Baja, Mexico. Uh-huh. And people invested their life savings into this. People were investing about two hundred or $300,000 per person into condos at this wonderful resort that was to be built called Trump Ocean Resort, <laughs> Baja, Mexico. This never even had a single brick in the foundation. Never. Ne- they did nothing. Uh, it got delayed and delayed and delayed, and then it was revealed that all the money was gone. Just somehow all the money disappeared. And Trump said, oh, well, that wasn't really me. That was uh, that was this company who was leasing my name. I, I, I have nothing to do with this, so we have nothing to do with this. Goodbye. Like, in the meantime yeah, – he, he had, he had uh, like outsourced uh, uh, Mexican developers – and he had like some shell company protection or some bullshit. Yeah, well, and what's the I, worst I, I, thing I is remember, his. I remember this. The worst thing is his daughter Ivanka actually stated to investors that Donald was quote involved in every capacity. So they they got down these suckers there that they, they would give them some kind of free steak dinner. Then they would talk them into investing their life savings. I'm not talking about like super rich people. I'm talking about people who whose life savings. Uh, like, oh, so he had his daughter come down to sell all the uh, potential buyers? Yeah, so she sold – she and, and the company <laughs> sold all these suckers $200,000, $300,000 deposits on their condos there. And uh, people who invested their life savings believing that this was going to appreciate and make them so much money, in reality, the whole thing was never built and the, and the money what is an, all gone. What an, what an, what and, then, an and then he shrugged his shoulders and said, what hey, what – What a fucking – what a fucking asshole. No, and the worst thing was – and then he walked away and said, what? This has nothing to do with me. I had nothing to do with this. It's just my name. Nothing to do with me. And walked away. It's amazing. So, so yeah, Trump is oh, kind. Of, he he is a scumbag. Amazing. Trump is a scumbag. But anyway, he's a scumbag. Anyway, so uh, the Taj Mahal may or may not close. Why may it not close? Well, this is analysis from Steve O. Steve Ruddock, who posts on the site sometimes, a poker journalist. Uh, he said, I doubt the Taj will close. Trump Entertainment is just going through some Chapter 11 restructuring, and the casino has done over $130 million in, uh, g- in gaming g- gross revenue so far. Uh, Trump Plaza only did $32 million, so it's doing a lot better. Uh, from uh, the figures I saw, their debt is only one-to-one, $500 million, and that's with Trump Plaza still open, so it's not like a complete lost cause. Restructuring should solve their problems for the time being. So... Uh, he feels that they're going to just restructure and stay open. And uh, right now, there's only the threat of clo- of closing that he thinks probably won't happen. But still, uh, that com- hey, let's just let's just uh, print more money. Let's restructure all that debt, Donald. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Let's just sta- let's just stack up your responsibility. Well, it's actually not him. Or... It's not him at this point. But uh, and he wants his name off of it. But the truth is, this thing's been going downhill forever. I mean, it was ten years ago I saw the bums sleeping there. Not not 2014, 2004. So that shows you how long it's been in decline there. And I I really believed being from uh, the West. I really believed before I heard about the Borgata. I believed like Miri did that the Taj Mahal was. The luxury place to stay in Atlantic City. So Todd, so Todd, can I to clarify? Yeah, you're you're saying that there were bums sleeping in on the carpet 
in Borgata hotel room hallways. No, in uh, Trump. <laughs> oh, it, uh, okay, uh, Trump Plaza in hallways. The Trump, in the Trump, not Trump Liter- Plaza, the Trump Taj Mahal. Literally, like homeless people. Yes, there was one. Well, one homeless guy. There was a homeless guy who was sleeping on the carpet in the hallway there, uh, between <laughs> the parking lot and the casino, and had been there a while, and nobody was getting rid of him. He was just hanging out, having a good time. Yeah, he was. In he was ho- definitely in a, taking in a hotel up the uh, hallway. Yeah, that was his uh, room for the night. There was the hallway. <laughs> oh man, okay, that is too funny. Okay, well, anyway, that's funny to me. Okay, um, so by, by the way, somebody, uh, uh, somebody in your favor here from the seven three four. Oh, we have a we have a positive comment for a change. Well, it's, it's actually God. it's it's Read critical. It. It's critical of me actually. It's a seven three four area code saying if Druff wasn't such a nit about being interrupted. The show would be okay. Let other people get a chance to talk Druff. Show sucks. So this person saying the show sucks because I'm speaking too much, not you. So uh, th- that's a different point of view. So I guess we have people uh, giving to us on both sides here. Well, I do want to. Uh, I want to. I do want to give a shout out. If we can change the topic here for a second. Yeah. Um, I want to uh, give a big shout out to Pooh. Who started a very controversial thread on your site today, or two days ago? Mm-hmm. Um, what's up, Todd? Are you are you uh, are you man enough to talk about uh, uh, racism in America? Yeah, sure. Do you want to do you want to unleash the beast, or do you want to uh, do you just want to? Should we just waffle around and talk about? I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, I'll cover this comments. last topic, and then I will talk about the thing Pooh broke brought up on this. And it's, and it's not going to be a big end bomb uh, th- uh, discussion or anything, but I, I, I will cover. I'll cover this last topic, which is a pretty quick topic, and then uh, we'll go to that. So, and I and I know I promised to be sober, but I was sober when I called your show. I'm not sober now. Yeah, I, I so. should have stipulated that there's like no alcohol during <laughs> but, these hours. But I, I did honor your request, your request to uh, be sober when I called, which I was. Okay, so here but, we go. Uh, the the uh, Caesar's Palace gift store. You know, every oh my god, really? Every, yes, every hotel. Come on, man. Listen, this is, Come on. No, listen. Who gives, this is, who gives a shit? Okay, you can put the phone down if you want to hear it. Then. No, no, no. It's okay. Okay, go ahead. It's your agenda. It's your show. Go ahead. Now, Caesar's Palace, just like every hotel, has a gift shop where you can buy whatever. And Caesar's Palace has a gift shop that's also. I think they kind of have like two gift shops. One that's. Like got some expensive stuff like jewelry and watches, and then they have the regular gift shop where you can buy you know, milk and Gatorade or, you or can, whatever. You can buy uh, buy cigarettes for twelve dollars a pack. Right. So, so here's a disturbing story out of there. I have a friend who's a heavy player at Caesar's Properties, and uh, he's a Seven Stars member, and not one like me who kind of just grinds there in the cheapest way and then doesn't play again until you have to re earn the whole thing. This is a guy who really is a pretty heavy player at Caesar's. He earned over a million tier credits last year, which is a whole lot. So uh, he played enough this year to earn what are known as Total Rewards gift cards, which is basically a $500 gift card that they give you that is good at any Caesars property and you can use for anything, even tips, whatever. It's, it's like a credit card that's only good at Caesars, but it's, it's more like a debit card with $500 charge on it. So he had one of these. He went to uh, the gift shop and bought a watch there for, after tax, it was $372.95. So he paid with his $500 gift card. And this is what his receipt says. It was rung up by a girl named Amanda on September 1st. 
and it says total paid three seventy two ninety five. Mastercard pays five hundred dollars. Change due one hundred twenty seven dollars and five cents. <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, so, so they debited they debited his card fucking five hundred dollars, and he has to wait for a refund. So so wait a minute. Have you ever heard before of using a credit card and having change come back to you? When you use a credit card, they charge the exact amount. They don't overcharge and then give you change. So he didn't notice this, and uh, he took his watch, and uh, I, I guess maybe he assumed change due meant that 127.05 was going back to his card like it's supposed to. So um, a few days later, he tried to use his card again, and it was declined. He said it had zero in, in the card. So he called up the gift shop and said, what's going on here? The only place I've used this card was the your place, and somehow the card has zero now. What happened? So the person who answered the phone didn't look anything up, didn't even ask him, like, what's your receipt number or anything. They said, oh, what's your name? He said his name. They said, hang on. They put the phone down, thinking that he couldn't hear, and said, uh, yeah, Amanda overcharged him $127. So... The person came back on the phone eventually, and he said, I have a question for you. How could you have possibly known that Amanda charged me $127 too much when I haven't told you yet what transaction it was, anything about the receipt? How did you know right away that I was overcharged exactly $127? How is that like on your mind? How did you know that by heart? It was a good question. So the person got very flustered because they didn't expect him to hear that. And they said, oh, well, well uh, uh, I, I was at lunch when this was done, and, uh, and, and I, I came back and I saw the receipt, and, and I saw the transaction, and I, I knew you were overcharged. So he asked, wait a minute, it's been four days since then. So if you knew I was overcharged when you came back from lunch, why didn't you fix it four days ago? The person's like, uh, that's a good question. I, I, I'm not sure. I, 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 I kind of forgot. Uh, l- let me have someone call you back. So they called him back, and they made up a bunch of BS, and they fixed it, and they never really gave him a good explanation. But one of two things happened here. Either Amanda really did accidentally overcharge him the 127, and it was noticed at the time, and they just were too lazy to do anything about it. Why is there music in the background? What is All right. that? Don't put music on in the background of my show. That that was not fascinating. <laughs> no, but you get you got to then would don't you, play music like, in the background. Would you like me to improve on that story, Todd? I'm, let me tell you a real story about no, 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 uh, no, credit no, card fucks. No, no, we're not okay? we're not talking about a credit card fraud here. We're talking about this at the no, Caesar's no, no, no. gift I shop. I want to tell you a story that compares to the story you just told. No, I want to finish the I had, story. I had it. Just give me like no, thirty gonna, seconds. We're going to finish the story here. Then, then oh, you can tell shit, your story. Man, I just listened to you for six no, minutes straight. No, you were playing some music over me for six minutes. Yeah, I had I had to. Start playing music. It was getting to be too much. Wouldn't mind uh, chiming in if I can. So uh, you can't, I had a okay, con- okay. I've I've had enough. I've had enough. He, he, the over. Whoever bet on the over one. The the time I hung up on it was nine oh three. I can't have music played over me on my own show. Can't have it. I'm sure I'll get an angry message posted on the forum, but uh, I can't have you playing music over me. If you wanted to tell your own story, I'd let you tell your own story. you got to let me finish my story. You know, I used to do another show a while back. And uh, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, one time I did a segment 
and that person, the other co-host, they, they weren't interested in the segment, and they went and did chores around the house while I was doing the segment. And the problem was I could not answer any phone calls or interact with anybody because I didn't have the controls. He controlled it on his end. So people are like trying to call in, and I and I can't control it. I don't know where he went. He just disappeared, and I, I was really angry about it. And you know, me and the and that other co-host I'm talking about now from years ago, uh, we used to like mess around on the air and pretend we were arguing when it really wasn't serious. But that time I was re- like legitimately pissed. So I I just don't like when I'm trying to do a segment on the show and the other person tries to interrupt me or uh, not interrupt me, but try to sabotage it in some way. At the very least, he could have put the phone down and some done some household chores or something. Let's see what the chat room has to say about this. We almost made it through a whole show together. Almost. Almost, but not quite. I mean, maybe I'll have him back on. The problem is he, he was drinking during it, and I, I should have specified no drinking at all. Like, that I knew something like this would happen. When you're drunk, you can't pay enough attention to the show. Anyone who said anything in the chat room has to repeat it because I got kicked out of my own chat room, embarrassingly enough. So I'm going to finish the Caesar story. So basically, one of two things happened here. Either they overcharged him accidentally, noticed it right away, and then decided not to fix it, so basically to cover up the whole mistake and not get in trouble and figure it's better that he gets ripped off than uh, have anyone get in trouble for the mistake. Or they were intentionally stealing him, stealing from him. And the way they could have intentionally been stealing is by overcharging his gift card by $127 and then opening the cash register and pulling $127 out of there. So I don't know which one it is. Because Caesars is known to be incompetent but then again, these are like gift shop employees, so who knows? You know, they could have not been the creme de la creme of employees there and could have been running this scam. The fact that the person who answered the phone, who was not this Amanda who rang it up, knew right away about him and his $127 was pretty suspicious. It's not like they looked it up and figured it out. They knew right away, oh, bang, you're the $127 guy. Yeah, I already know about you from 40 days ago. He's like, if you know about me, why haven't you fixed it? They didn't even have a plan in action to fix it. It's not even like they were trying to fix it and hadn't fixed it yet. They had taken no action yet. So, just watch out. Watch out, no matter where you are, that you're charged the right thing. And if if you're charged the wrong thing, always call up and speak up about it. Don't ever say, oh, it's not enough money. I mean, here was $127, so it's some substantial money. But, yeah, let's say you get overcharged by $5 or $10. Don't just say, oh, who cares? Say something about it because it might be a scam to steal. They might be overcharging you so then they can take the equivalent amount out of the cash register, put it in their pocket, and then their register comes out okay. That's a common scam. Overbill your credit card, pull cash out of the register, put it in their pocket, and at the end of the day, their register looks clean provided that you never go back and complain. So always go back and complain. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. By the way, anybody else who wants to co-host in the future, you're welcome. I, I really will give most people a shot. 
So if you want to co-host, I know there's a guy named Johnny Sprinkles in chat. I have no idea who he is, but he, he wants to co-host at some point. He's welcome to come on here. Now, uh, in Marty's defense, he did try to call back in, and I didn't answer because I was still in the middle of the segment. Uh, I, I'm a little bit uh, wary of, of answering the phone here from him because I don't want to get in a whole argument, and I don't want to uh, have him get increasingly drunk during the show. When the idea of having him on this show as a co-host was proposed to me by him, I, I thought it would be fun to uh, have two longtime uh, forum enemies who have since come to terms uh, do a show together. And, and he's done a, a show on his own in the past, and it actually wasn't a bad show. But I think the difference is when he did his good shows, he was sober. And uh, the more drunk he gets, the more interruptions he does. And it's just not a good scene when he's drunk. So that's why I was urging him to be sober. But uh, we, we lasted two hours, longer than most people would have suspected. Anyway, uh, reading the chat room, uh, Johnny Sprinkles, I know who that is. It's someone on Twitter who talks to me there sometimes. And Bukowski saying Ryland posted a week ago. It didn't get many replies. I mean, Ryland is around. I, I see him playing online. He's not dead or anything. So whoever is listening, tell Ryland's mother that he's okay. But honestly, Ryland, who I know listens to this show often, Ryland should call home. Ryland should call his mother and say, hey, mom, I'm okay. He really should. I, I'm not kidding here. I'm not joking around. Hmm. Now Marty left chat. I'll be honest, I expected him to like rant at me in chat, but nothing. Well, show's almost, uh, almost over anyway. Shorter show tonight, we just didn't have that much material. In fact, uh, I'll give Marty credit for one thing. His presence here made the show longer. If it was just me, I probably would have run through these topics in like an hour and a half and we would have been done. Would have been like a record short show here. So... Now I'm going to get to my last aspect of the show. By the way, Fluffer, I know, is listening. He should call in. I'd really like to hear from Fluffer sometime. I want to talk about the 80s BBS scene. If you don't want to hear from that, as I know Marty didn't, turn off the show. In fact, it's probably better I hung up on Marty because I know he wouldn't let me get through this <laughs> without objecting to it or playing music. But uh, some people requested this, or one person in particular requested it, and I thought it was something that was worth talking about at the very end of the show to where if you don't like it, knowing that there's no more content after this, most likely you can turn it off. In 1984, I was 12 years old, and I went to a summer camp. At that summer camp, I met a kid who was very, very strange. He was three years older than me. All the kids picked on him. He was actually the oldest kid there, which actually meant a lot. You know, when you're 15, like he was, and everybody else is like 12 and 13, uh, usually you would be the bully and they would be the bullied. But in this case, everyone else was bullying him because he was like just really weird and kind of meek. 
I did not bully him. I was actually the only guy who got along with him. Uh, the other kids, I, they kind of treated me like kind of a, a non-factor there. I wasn't the popular kid in the camp. I wasn't unpopular. I was just kind of there. Uh, but I, I like this guy. I found him interesting. I guess it was kind of a, a precursor to me meeting Ken Scaler. He and Ken Scaler actually had a lot in common. But, uh, and I asked my parents for one. Remember, I was 12 years old. I couldn't just go buy my own. And they were expensive then, too. Uh, at the time, I also only had a Commodore VIC-20. So when I first asked my parents for it, they said, no, we're not going to put any more money in, into this computer, which is quickly going obsolete. Uh, we're going to get a new computer eventually. Maybe at that point we'll get one. So next year, in 85, my dad bought an IBM AT, which was a big deal in those days. And for my 14th birthday, or slightly after that, he bought a modem, which was mainly for me. He used it a little bit too, but mainly for me. And I had what I'd been asking for. Now, before that, I had already gotten involved in the phone hacking world. Phone hacking was basically uh, mostly making free phone calls, free long-distance phone calls. Illegal, but you know, I was 12, 13, 14 years old, so whatever. Uh, and it was very expensive to make long-distance calls back then, not like today. And also, as part of phone hacking... Uh, uh, one thing you could do is call those free, uh, call those nine seven six numbers for free, including the phone sex lines and all that. So <laughs> I had access to all that too. The believe it or not, I while I called a little bit of the phone sex lines, I, that wasn't my big thing. The main thing I like to call were like the sports trivia lines where you'd win prizes. So I like call those things for free and then win prizes and sports trivia, and they'd mail the prizes to me. I was all, like all proud of myself. But anyway, uh, I got involved in this. Uh, BBS community in 1986 at the age of 14. It had a lot of similarities to social media. It had a lot of similarities to the forums you see on sites like Poker Fraud Alert. The main difference, believe it or not, was that it was mostly locals. It was almost all people who were from within like a 20-mile radius of your house. Which if you compare it to today's forums, today's internet, if you see one person on there that's within 20 miles of you, it's amazing. You have people from all over the world. Poker Fraud Alert has posters from all over the world. Just like most forums do. But on BBSs, it was mostly a locals thing. So every so often, people would get together at a BBS meet where you'd all meet up and, and get to see what each other are like in real life. And in 1986, 1987, you, there were no pictures of yourself online. Most people didn't have scanners. If you did, they were very poor quality. It just wasn't a thing people did was posting pictures of themselves online. Now, I wasn't on any dating BBSs at that point. I was only on BBSs full, full, of, full, of, full of other kids like me, you know, like high school kids. And almost all boys. But even on the dating BBSs, people didn't post pictures of themselves. They just have a description up there and you just have to imagine what the person looks like. It was a leap of faith. Now, of course, meeting other guys from the BBS, I didn't really care what they looked like from a standpoint of how attractive they were. But uh, I was curious, you know, how old is this guy? 
you know, what is he like in person? Uh, is he big? Is he small? You know, is, is, is he intimidating looking? Does he look like a, you know, a skinny little nerd? Like, there's a lot of different ways people can look. And you can't always figure that out just from their screen name or from their online demeanor. Sometimes the real badasses on the BBS, you'd meet them in person and, and they'd be like five foot three and 105 pounds. So, um, I actually made a mistake because just like I promised that kid back when I was 12 years old, if, you know, if people start insulting me, I'm going to go right back at them. And I did. And, uh, I made the mistake of, you know, I wasn't able to drive then cause I was 14. I made the mistake of having them pick me up at my house to bring me to a BBS meet. Like I just found whoever had a car on there was willing to get me. So they did. And when they showed up to my house, you know, they, they were nice and friendly and everything. We went to the BBS meet and, you know, everyone was like, uh, like nobody was confrontational with each other there. But then like, once you get back home, <laughs> then they start egging your house and, and, and pulling pranks on you like that because now they know where you live. So, you know, the, and apparently I, I learned that was common in those days in the eighties that uh, if you fight with people on the BBS and then they find out your address and they start, uh, you know, egging your house and doing crap like that. So um, my parents weren't very happy with that. And from that point forward, I was uh, careful about my info on these BBSs. Uh, something else you would do on these BBSs, they would have a file transfer section and this is where you would download pirated software. Now, it was a big thing in those days that uh, most of the games that kids had on their computers in the 80s, they did not pay for. Kind of like most people don't pay for music these days and just download music somewhere. Uh, it's the same thing with software back in those days. There's still plenty of pirated software today, but uh, I, I think that uh, if you look at games that kids play today, there's a lot of console games and other things that are kind of hard to pirate and even computer games people buy I think a lot more often now than they used to but uh, back then you would just download it from a BBS and so there's always a file transfer section there and sometimes to get on the ones that had the best stuff and the newest stuff you'd have to convince them in some way that you're worthy and sometimes you'd have to contribute your own stuff to the BBS's uh, like you'd have to upload stuff to be able to download In the late 80s, I found something new. And that was the dating-themed BBSs. Now, I had interest in, uh, in dating for a lot longer of a time before I actually really did date, as I think most boys probably did. You know, I, I imagine most guys listening to this show like fantasized about being with girls long before they actually touched a girl in real life. And that, that was definitely my case. But, uh, you know, as, as I got to be like 16 and I hadn't gone on a date yet, I, I had a few like near misses, but it didn't happen. I, I was getting frustrated with that fact. And uh, these BBSs, I, I happened to stumble upon them. I wasn't really looking for them, but I kind of stumbled upon these uh, BBSs. Most of the BBSs were run out of people's houses and on one phone line. 
You would directly dial into it. It wasn't like the internet where you just connect to whatever you want. You have to dial your modem into their modem, and if someone else is on their modem, then you can't connect, you get a busy signal. But uh, the dating BBSs tended to be bigger. They tended to have 9 lines, 16 lines, 32 lines, so those could be busy too, but you could get through a lot more easily, and you could talk to people in real time, because the one-line BBSs have one person at a time. The 16, 32-line BBSs, uh, you know, those would have that many people on at the same time. So I thought, wow, this is so cool. I can get on here and I can talk to girls around my age live. And I found it was a lot easier to uh, to talk to girls on those things than it was to just approach girls in, in real life. I, I guess the... Uh, it's more comfort for everybody. Uh, it's, it's less intimidating to the girl. Uh, I, I guess there's uh, less of a fear of rejection. Whatever it is, I, I found it more comfortable. A lot of people found it more comfortable. So I took a great liking to those. And uh, But I still hadn't met anybody yet from them. I was still fairly new, and I was approaching age 17. Uh, there, there was a girl I got to talk to on one of these uh, dating-themed BBSs. And uh, we talked every day. She had never been on a date with a guy in her life. And uh, she was a little bit younger than me, not much. You know, I was, uh, we were both teenagers. And she didn't live all that close to me. She lived like 40 miles away. But I had a car at this point. We talked every night, but we never really got into, like, talking about being attracted to each other or liking each other that way, but we, we became close friends. And, and I started to really like her. And um, what happened was they had a, a meet for this BBS where everybody got together, and she said she was going to be there. So I figured, oh, that's, that's a good place to meet her. And I also thought to myself, you know, I hadn't seen a picture of her, I said, and she hadn't seen a picture of me either. I said, you know, this, this is a good place to meet her and in case I'm not attracted to her at least I'm not like stuck on a date I don't want to be on it's kind of a funny way to think when I hadn't even done a date in my life yet but uh, I went to this BBS meet and I, I really had high hopes and I, I wasn't keeping myself with really high standards there I, I wasn't expecting you know a perfect 10 or a 9 out of 10 to walk in there if she was like average looking I would have been okay with it But when I saw her, I, I was just so disappointed. I, I was like not attracted to her at all. She just didn't have a pretty face at all. Um, and her body, she wasn't fat or anything. She was just kind of had like a, uh, I guess she was a late bloomer and hadn't really developed yet. Just kind of a boyish looking body. She just kind of had a tomboyish look to her and just her face wasn't that attractive. I, I just wasn't into her at all. I, I tried to say, well, maybe I could be like, like no, I couldn't be. So then I felt really bad. Then I felt like, what do I do here? Like now I don't want to talk to her every single day on the phone. I, I felt stupid for talking to her for so long before that. I still wanted to be her friend, but I, I just felt it wasn't going to work the same way because uh, I, I knew she liked me. And I knew it wasn't going to work that way anymore. I knew we couldn't just go be friends. I knew I couldn't just say, hey, you know, I didn't find you attractive. Let's just be friends. So I, I figured the best thing to do is just kind of like scale down the amount of time I talked to her 
go from talking to her every day to every three days to every five days to every week and then you know eventually just drop it just kind of make it look like we failed out faded out and to not do it immediately after we met in person see i i could have been a dick and just like stop talking to her after meeting her but like i i liked her personality i thought she was a nice person i didn't want to hurt her like that and so I, i wanted her to just think like i kind of just lost interest for other reasons rather than like I met her and wasn't into her. So so that's actually what I did. The funny thing was uh, her brother was on the BBS too. And me and him, like I knew him, he knew me, but we, we barely talked on there. It was just, he's just kind of an acquaintance on there. But uh, after that passed, I actually got to talk to him a little bit more and it turned out the guy was going to the same college as me. I, you know, this we're talking about a little bit later now, obviously, but when I was going to college, he was like a year older than me and he had already been there and he was entering his second year and I was entering my first year and I said, hey, you know, why don't we meet up there? So we met up and me and this guy became friends and it was really awkward that his sister was uh, the one I had rejected, <laughs> uh, you know, years prior and now me and him were friends and I like did not bring it up with him ever. He just kind of like knew I knew his sister at some point that she didn't care for me too much anymore. Like she was kind of bitter about what happened. She kind of I probably figured it out. But uh, I never told anyone like I didn't go around the BBS saying, hey, I met her. She wasn't attractive. Like I, I, I just like pretended it didn't happen. But anyway, she didn't care for me too much anymore. But me and him were friends. Now, how do you think this could have possibly tied into today? Do you think they can have any possible tie to today? And no, I'm not still friends with him. I haven't been friends with this guy in over 20 years. So how could this possibly have a very strong tie to my life today? Well, it actually did. In 1991, it was my second year at college, a new girl, a freshman, showed up to the school who quickly befriended a girl that I knew from my previous year. The girl she befriended was not anyone I had ever gone out with or even had an interest in, but just someone I was friendly with. So, one day when we were in line for a movie, me and and this guy, who was the friend of the girl from the BBS that I wasn't into, we were in line for a movie, and I hear a girl's voice calling out to me, and it was that girl I knew from the previous year from school, and she came up, and the girl was a bitch. And he says, no, 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 I, I liked her. I, I thought she was hot. Wow. Like, he, he really had a big crush on her, a real big crush on her. I was trying to talk him out of it. I'm trying to say, no, this girl seems like a bitch. You know, just, I, I don't think she's worth it. Yeah, she's pretty, but, you know, so are so many other girls here. You know, why focus on her? He didn't listen to me. And... uh about a year later, he wrote a, uh, he got all drunk. This guy had a drinking problem. He, we're still friends at this point. He wrote a dirty note to both of these girls, but a dirtier one to the, you know, the newer one, the, the girl he really liked, and stuffed it under her door in her dorm. And I got a phone call the next day 
a three-way call from the two girls saying, hey, can you control your friend here? He wrote a very inappropriate note to us. And I, I, at first I was annoyed. I'm like, why are you calling me? I'm not his dad. I agree the note was inappropriate, but you know, this isn't, what can I do about it? I, I hope you don't think that I had anything to do with this. And they said, no, no, we don't, but we want you to control him. So I was annoyed by this phone call and I wasn't taking it seriously. And I was just joking around and giving sarcastic responses and everything. And, uh, I expected the other girl, you know, the one I thought was a bitch, I expected her to start arguing with me and getting really nasty with me, but instead she was laughing at it, and she was, uh, she had a good sense of humor about the whole thing, and I saw a different side of this girl than I had seen previously. And I thought, ah, you know, why didn't I treat this girl better? Why didn't I give her more of a chance? Why did I judge her so quickly? And we, we were, all three of us were on the phone for like 90 minutes just talking about a lot of BS. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I, I screwed this one up. I, I think this girl and I could have been really compatible, but it's too late. But was it too late? Well, it was. Even though that girl and I did eventually become friends, and uh, we kept in touch in email when I graduated first, because I was older. We lost touch in email after about six months, and that was it. She was gone after January of 94, only to return to my life in 2009 through Facebook. And yes, she is the mother of Benjamin Wittellis. Yep. That's who Benjamin's mother is. And the only reason Benjamin exists is because my friend, who is the brother of that girl that I had rejected in the late 80s because she wasn't attractive, and the only reason I talked to this guy is because I knew him through his sister, the one I had rejected, that me and him went to the same school, and then he wrote that perverted note to this girl that I previously did not like very much. Because I wrongfully thought that she was a bitch. And this allowed me to reevaluate her in our discussion about his perverted note, which allowed us to become friends, which then made me want to talk to her when I saw her on Facebook in 2009. And there we go. So that's how it happened. Real Talk saying Druff calling Ben's mom ugly. I didn't say that. I never said that. Even at my worst opinion of her, I never thought she was ugly. I, I thought from the second I met her that she was pretty. I just didn't like... I, I thought she was a bitch to me. And she wasn't. She was actually uh, just kind of shy. It was, it was really all my fault. It really was. And I regretted it a lot. Once I talked to her on the phone in 92 and, and I realized that I really liked her personality, I said, crap, you know, I like her personality. I like her looks. I think she's smart. I was like, oh, how did I mess this one up? 
There's no damage control. I think you misunderstood. The one I said was ugly was the sister of the guy that uh, I rejected from the BBS. No damage control here. If you go back and listen. JSTAT saying in chat, In 1991, I was kicking ass at single-deck blackjack. Well, good for you, JSTAT. I wasn't old enough to do that at that point. Oh. Well, radio cut out for five minutes. That's great. Jeez. Now I kind of feel like going back and editing the whole thing out. So is it really we're we're missing like five minutes of the story? Well, whatever. We'll leave it. If there's anything you don't understand, then it's probably got lost in the uh, cutout of the show. Two or three minutes. Someone say 30 seconds. I'm, st- I'm still unhappy about this. The weird thing is I actually have my uh, my backup connection that I don't always remember to plug in, but I had the backup connection tonight. And I guess we just lost internet completely here. That pisses me off. I'm trying to tell this story from the 80s BBS world and how it relates to today and then it gets screwed up. The crypt is complaining. Show has sucked ever since Marty was rudely cut off. You know, it's funny because I have all these people complaining when Marty was on and I say tough luck and keep him on and then I cut him off and I have people complaining that I cut him off. This shows you how I can't win here. Real Talk saying, definitely missed the part where you knocked up the sister and not the girl from the BBS. <laughs> Never knocked up the sister. Funny thing is, I actually saw the sister. Um, you know, I, I just kind of Google people from my past every so often and see if I can see what they're like now. I actually found the sister in a YouTube video from... I don't know, five years ago, six years ago. And she actually looks a lot better these days. She's not like pretty, but she's not bad anymore. She's definitely improved a lot. Definitely someone who improved with age. By the way, the reason I hung up on Marty was because he played music over me during the Caesar story. I put up with the interruptions because that's just kind of him. And I knew he was drinking and... I'm like, okay, fine. He can interrupt me. I just I just couldn't take the blasting music over me. Like, he has to blast music and then start telling his story. Real talk asking how angry I was when I heard that music. I, I wasn't angry. I was just like, that's just not how it's going to work on this show. I come with the agenda here. You've got to let me do it, whether you like all the topics or not. That's the same rules go for all the co-hosts. All right. As promised, I'll talk about the Atlanta Hawks situation. There's a big controversy on Poker Fraud Alert where basically kind of a race war 
except there's really no black people fighting back and forth as white people in a race war <laughs> about black people, if you can imagine that. But uh, we have some users who are uh, saying negative things about black people. We have other people who are defending them. We have them insulting each other back and forth. I, I won't get into all that, but I will get into the original topic at hand that brought all this on. And that is the Atlanta Hawks controversy involving an email the owner sent out two years ago. Now, of course, everybody remembers Sheldon Adelson and what he did, and that makes everyone that much more sensitive about a basketball owner being racist. Because, you know, I didn't like the whole thing with Donald Sterling... I didn't like the precedent it set that someone can't say things in their own private home without consequence. I think that's awful. Unless they're admitting to some kind of horrific crime, you should be able to express whatever opinions you want in your private home without people secretly recording you and then forcing professional consequences upon your life. So I didn't think it was right for the NBA to force Donald Sterling to sell. He ended up selling anyway, but uh, I didn't think it was right for them to take any action against him because this stuff was recorded illegally and it was in his private home and it was a conversation he was having with his girlfriend. Even if he was saying stuff that was wrong and stuff that was racist... That should not be used to evaluate his ability to own an NBA team, especially once he already owns one. Nobody should be afraid to speak in their private home to people who are close to them. But uh, we have a more recent situation here with the Atlanta Hawks and their owner. This is what happened. Most of you probably know by now. Basically, the owner of the Atlantic Hawks, Atlanta Hawks, was unhappy with the fact that uh, they weren't doing well with their season ticket sales. And two years ago, he sent out an email that was very critical of the audience for the Atlantic Hawks, which is primarily black people. And this email somehow got out. I I don't know if this guy brought it to the NBA himself or he knew it was going to be leaked, so he leaked it first or something, something along those lines. But somehow now, two years later, this email has come out. And, uh, he's immediately offering to sell the team. Some people think this is a gimmick to sell the team that he wants to get rid of anyway because it just uh, doesn't get good attendance. But uh, putting that aside, the question is, does this guy have a right to write things about uh, the race of the people attending his games and how to change that Is that something that he should be discussing as an owner of the team? 
Now, I'm not going to read the email. It's pretty long, but actually the the parts that people did not like were the parts where he was talking about how... Well, let me read these portions of it. I'm going to bring up the letter here. I should have had this ready, but I didn't know this would be discussed on today's show. See if I can find this. Plenty of articles about this email, but I can't find the email itself right now. Someone in the chat room come up with a damn link to that email. Did I say Sheldon Adelson? Boy, I'm stupid. I meant uh, that shows you how long I've been doing this show. No, I mean uh, Donald Sterling. Sheldon Adelson. He's probably, he probably is going to sue me. Here we are. USA Today bailed me out. I found it on USA Today. I'm trying to put all these pop-ups on my screen, but here we are. He wrote, regarding game operations, I need to start with some background for the first they don't feel it's a place for them. And he also pointed out that in addition to the audience happening to be 70% black, that they're aiming everything, all their promotions at black people. The cheerleaders are black, the music's hip-hop, um, the concerts after the game are hip-hop or gospel, that they are not doing anything to attract any other race but black people. So he's saying this is keeping the white people away. This is making it an all-black audience, or mostly black audience, and the normal demographic of who buys season tickets is not buying them because they don't feel they belong here. They don't feel they fit in. Okay, I I think that's probably true. It's, It's politically incorrect, but true. I'm sure you can picture that the average 40 year old white guy in the South doesn't exactly want to fork over many thousands of dollars for season tickets to the Hawks, who aren't even that great of a team in the first place, when he feels he's going to go there and and be surrounded by black people everywhere. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being surrounded by black people everywhere, but they don't feel like they fit in, especially in the South, where there's still a lot more racism in general than there is in other parts of the country. A lot more of a racial divide there. And You can say, oh, that's awful, oh, it shouldn't be this way. But Bruce Levinson, the owner of the Hawks, is not out to change the world. He's not one who is going to force white people to interact with black people. He's a businessman. He's trying to get season tickets sold to his team, and he's seeing they're not being bought. And he's noticing they're not being bought because the demographic of... Uh, you know, of the people who buy them are not being represented by their promotions or by the audience that ends up there. He also noticed that they gave away a lot of free tickets to black neighborhoods in order to fill up seats. They wanted to make the arena look full. And he said that's another problem that's making the arena even more black. So this, again, sounds really bad on the surface, but what they're doing 
What he's doing there is marketing 101. It's not over hatred of black people. It's not over white superiority. It's not that he wants his audience to be white. He just wants season tickets to be sold. He, he would be thrilled if the arena sold out and it was 100% black. But it isn't selling out. The season tickets are not selling out. And he's saying, why is this? And goes, okay. We are doing too much to attract black people at the exclusion of everyone else. Why are we only playing hip-hop? Why are all the cheerleaders black? Why are our after-game concerts always music that uh, appealed primarily to black people? Why are we not trying to attract white people here too? Why aren't they being represented? Why, why would they want to show up when everything we're doing is to attract black people? And if we feel that white males, 35 to 55, are the ones most likely to buy season tickets, that's where we should focus our marketing. And every company does this every day. A company identifies its target demographic, which sometimes white people, sometimes black people, sometimes old people, sometimes young people, but whatever it is, they tailor that toward who they're trying to attract. I'll give you an example. You go on a cruise, and you will see that a lot of the musical acts are performing songs from the 50s and 60s. Why is that? Because there's a lot of old people on cruises. Now, if all the acts on there were performing Justin Bieber songs, then these old people are never going to come back. They're going to say, I don't want to hear Justin Bieber. I want to hear the music I grew up with in the 50s. That makes them want to come back. So you have to identify who's most likely to spend the most money at your business and then try to attract them with things that they will like. You, are, you as a business owner are not out to integrate the world. You're not out to eliminate racism. You're not out to eliminate racial separation. You're simply trying to make the most money, get the most customers who will spend the most money in your business. That's your only goal. And you have to achieve that goal by figuring out who is your target demographic and then marketing to them. And he is right that if you're trying to get white guys 35 to 55 in your stadium, in your arena, you should not have hip-hop concerts afterwards. You need to have white cheerleaders as well as black cheerleaders. The music you play during the game has to appeal to white guys who are in their you know, middle ages. You need, you know, play things like '80s music or whatever. You don't, you don't play hip hop because the typical forty-five-year-old white guy doesn't want to hear hip hop. A few do, most don't. And this works in reverse. There are products marketed to black people, entertainment venues marketed to black people, where if they make their marketing too white or play music that's too white, the black people won't come, and that's bad for them too. So this was not about racism. This was about marketing. And he was pointing out an error in the team's marketing to where they're only marketing to one demographic and it's a demographic that he felt does not buy enough season tickets that has been established through studies. And that's how you establish who you want to market to is through studies of who would be most interested in your product. That's why... uh, Gaming consoles are not marketed to 80-year-old women. Instead, they're marketed primarily to uh, young men and teenage boys. 
because that's who the research shows will be interested in that product. So here the research shows that white guys 35 to 55 are most likely to buy season tickets and to spend the most money there, and they can't get them in there because they're not marketing to them. That's all he was saying. At one point in the email, he referred to rumors that there was crime in the stadium of black people against white people, and he said, that's not true. We don't have any crime like that. I don't know of one instance like that. That's racist garbage, he wrote. So he was actually bashing the racists in his email. And not like in a hypocritical or self-hating fashion. He was trying to say here, you know, people are, are making up stupid things that the black people are hurting the white people. I don't believe the black people are hurting the white people. I think the white people are just not feeling comfortable and staying away. And whether it's right or wrong that they stay away when they see a lot of black people... That's what they're doing, and we have to find a way to market to them, and we have to stop artificially inflating the number of black people in our stadium by giving away free tickets in black neighborhoods. If we make the whole place look too black, the white people won't want to come. That's what he's trying to say. He didn't say, let's keep the black people out. He just said, let's not only have black people. He actually wanted diversity. But not for diversity's sake. He wanted diversity because uh, he wanted the people who were more likely to spend money there. Now, he wrote a few stupid things in his email. He wrote things like uh, that black people don't cheer as loud for the players as the white people do. And I, I don't believe that. They so wrote a few dumb things like that. But the main point of the email was about marketing to white guys. That's all it was. And his theory, theory which I think was probably right. I guess the radio keeps going down. Interestingly, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar even came out in defense of the Hawks owner. Bobby Orr saying in chat... What a load of shit. I don't think it's a load of shit. Like, I'll admit that Donald Sterling was racist. I'm not defending any of the stuff he said. I mean, he should have been able to say it in the privacy of his home without being monitored and having that used against him. But I I believe Donald Sterling really is a racist. I believe he really meant everything he said. He's saying, what about the emails regarding Asians? I haven't seen those emails. If, if there are emails regarding Asians, I have not seen them. You know, show me more things, I'll change my mind. But I've only seen that uh, one email. That he wrote about uh, essentially attracting the target demographic back there. And let's be honest here. The average southern white middle-aged guy does not want to go to an arena that's mostly black people. That's the truth. You may not like it, but that's the truth. It may not be right, but it's the truth. The business owner is only concerned with attracting the target demographic, not changing the world, not integrating the races. So... 
I was not a fan of Donald Sterling. I never liked him. Way before this, I, I thought that uh, he was a terrible owner, that he was intentionally fielding cheap and bad teams knowing people would show up anyway. He should have been kicked out of the NBA a long time ago. And I, I do believe he's a big racist, and I do believe everything he said represented his true feelings. But I don't think Bruce Levinson is uh, really much of a racist. I think he's just a, a businessman who was trying to market to the people he wanted. Someone else in chat brought up, why can a racist not own a business or a sport seems very un-American. I mean, that's it too. You, you, you can't be the thought police here. There are many business owners who don't think the same way I do, who have different politics than me, who support causes that I'm against, and I, I still go there. I, I don't boycott every business that uh, doesn't have ownership or management that thinks like me. And besides, if I felt strongly enough about it, and I would personally boycott it. That's my choice with my money. But I, I don't think anybody should lose their business anyway over their personal opinions on things. I just don't think that's right. Then you start getting into the whole thought police, the politically correct thought police. I, I saw enough of that back in college where you're told what you're allowed to think and what you can't think. That's not good. You can't say, oh, no, no, we're only going to come down on the hate speech, the racist speech. Yeah, you, you can say that, but eventually it's going to get worse and worse. Where you're not allowed to have your own thoughts. You're not allowed to have your own beliefs. You're, there's always some way that they can claim your beliefs are hateful or bigoted or wrong or hurtful. Everybody should have the right to believe what they want. No matter what side they're on. I've always been a big believer in diversity of opinions. Diversity of thought. I don't believe in censoring one side or the other. I always say on this radio show, I'll let anyone come on and not only tell their side of things, but they can come on and tell me I was wrong about some things I said, or my opinions are incorrect in their in their opinion. You know, they, anyone can come on here and get equal points of equal time for their points of view. People can come on my forum and do the same thing. I just never like when people are forced out of something because they have a certain opinion that isn't considered right or popular. Just not a good thing to be doing. But anyway, in this case of Bruce Levinson, I mean, who knows? He could be a racist behind closed doors too, maybe. But what he was caught doing, I, I think that's just standard marketing. Let me read some texts here. Let's see. 902 area code. Tide suck my dick. That's not very nice. That was to our now departed co-host. 
Gay Jew Magoo is asking if he can co-host your show because he has a boner. Gay Jew Magoo is saying he would be a co- good co-host. I mean, he can if he wants. Gay, go- Gay Jew Magoo. I guess he can co-host. All righty. Now, Bobby Orr is right that this is not a private opinion when it's expressed in a company email. That's true. I was talking about Donald Sterling, where he was giving a private opinion. In this company email, I feel it's a different story that I don't think it was inappropriate. I think he was just discussing demographics and marketing, and just because the target happened to be black people, that was the hot button that sent him into hot water. I mean, think about it, Bobby or anybody else. Let's say you owned a team like the Atlanta Atlanta Hawks and uh, you noticed that your marketing people, your promotions people were only putting on events for one race. And he's like, wait a minute. Why are they do? Why are they not trying to attract everyone? And then you find out the one race they're trying to attract is not the race that has been known to spend the most money or buy season tickets at NBA games. You're telling me you wouldn't be bothered by that? You wouldn't be bothered by the exclusion of the other races that could be making your business more money, that could be showing up to these games? I mean, it's common sense stuff. It's not about hating black people. He would be happy to have black people there if they were the ones who spent the most money. All he cared about, the only color he cared about was green. Trust me. This was not a letter written from racial hatred. It was written from hatred of losing money. And I have to believe that his theories are probably pretty close to correct. Not that the Hawks would become a sellout team, a sellout team meaning a team that seats are sold out, if they marketed properly, I mean, Atlanta, Atlanta is just not a good sports town. The, even the Braves do not sell out their playoff games, but uh, I think they would do better if they marketed towards the right people who buy the season tickets or do dual marketing. You know, do, do marketing toward black people, marketing toward white people. Just do, do a mixture, but don't just do all black people. It doesn't make any sense. Bobby, we're asking, what if that's not really the reason the fans aren't showing up and it's for a different reason? Is it racism then? No, that's just him analyzing from the data he has and drawing a conclusion that might be incorrect. Again, that's just marketing. Marketing, you're not always 100% correct in what you're doing. You're just, you're making a decision based upon what you think you should be doing. So I th- I think it's better to say something like, should he just keep his mouth shut and let them keep making the same mistake over and over? He's got to say something. He's got to say, hey, how are we going to get the white people in here to buy season tickets if we're just playing hip-hop every time? If it's all hip-hop music and all black cheerleaders, how, how are we going to sell any tickets to white people? That's a good question. It's a really good question. Bukowski saying in chat, well, just don't buy the team in a southern market if you've got a problem with that. Well, it kind of looks like that 
from his email, at least the way he describes it, that he discovered this later. He bought the team first and then discovered later, oh, that's our problem. So, okay, once you've bought the team and you notice this is what's happening, you've got to do something about it. You've got to fix your marketing if it's not working out for you. And marketing is always targeted at a certain race, a certain age, a certain gender. That's what you do with marketing. Marketing is never equal across all demographics. Never. There's always a target. Always a target. Marketing is not racist. Marketing is just, you have a product, you figure out who buys it the most, and you try to get them to buy it. That's that's what marketing is. It's not racist, it's just all about dollars. Now, if they were to refuse entry to black people at the door or find ways to keep black people out of the stadium, then I, I'd be totally for getting this guy out. That has no place in the year 2014, but... As far as who you market to and who you tailor the music to, you know, that's, you base that upon who you're trying to attract. Even Crypt agrees with me. I know I must be right. If Crypt agrees with me, who says he typically disagrees with my views, Crypt is a young guy. I don't really know him very well, but he's a, he's a fairly new active poster on the forum and he seems like a pretty like left wing young college student type guy and he agrees with me on this so if crypt agrees with me here i I know i got to be right all right so see i i tackled the topic i tackled the controversial topic of racism and the atlantic atlanta hawks and has nothing to do with poker or gambling. But I was dared to do it, and I did it. Kind of an appropriate end song here, since uh, the show All in the Family dealt with racial relations all the time. In fact, uh, when George Jefferson was a character on the show before he got his own spinoff... George Jefferson was actually the racist black guy. The black guy who hated all races besides black people. So he was like the black Archie Bunker. A lot of people don't remember that because they toned George Jefferson down when he got his own show, The Jeffersons. But uh, that was an interesting character. Anyway, we'll be back next week at our usual time. Just like this week. This week we're... We were supposed to be at 6.30. We started at 7. But every Tuesday night, around 6.30, we get going with the show. We'll be back next week. I don't know what was up with the cutouts to this damn show. But if you're listening in the archives and you notice that there were just these weird cutoffs there, you're not going crazy. You're not having a stroke. Just uh, for whatever reason, this did not record live the way it was supposed to. You might wonder... If this is being recorded for the archives, even if it stops broadcasting, why is it not recording on my local machine? And I guess I could do it that way, but because this doesn't happen too often, the way the show actually archives is uh, the show listens to itself as it broadcasts and then creates an MP3 of it. That's the way it does it. So it automatically turns on and off 
the recording of the MP3 file, which ends up in the archives, whenever the show's broadcasting. Like, it's constantly listening for the show broadcasting, and when it does, it listens to itself. So, that's the mechanism I have going. It's the easiest way to do it, and occasionally we get shows like this where we have technical difficulties and things cut off, and I apologize for that. Hopefully my BBS story didn't get too mangled. I'll see you guys next week, Tuesday around 6.30. September 16th will be the date, and I think the Trump Plaza will be closed that day, too. Good night, and shalom.